Hi, I'm Lee Gerstman, and I'm no longer banned from this podcast. I use my hand on Ralph and my mouth on Ian, and that's why I'm back. So deal with it, bitches. Here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. I still think they're fucking assholes. Schmack em a gob. It's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is a guy that does not believe in just say no. He believes in just say when. And that is... Great googly moogly. It's me, Wadzilla. Hello. The Ayatollah of Alcohola. That's right. That's true. True story. I, I love that saying, dude. It's genius. Yeah, who came up with that? I think Terrence. No, no, that was me. I said it was oh. genius. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, it must have been you then. Yeah, Lord. what what he called you was a son of a bitch every time he told you to like something. You son of a bitch. You bastard. You better like it, you son of a bitch, and then pee in my cunt, you bastard. <laughs> What's up, brother? Who gives a fuck? All right, bye. What's up with you? Uh, my blood pressure and my uh, blood alcohol level. All right, cool. So everything's the same. Same old, same old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even keel. Even keel. Even better than keel, which mm-hmm. isn't hard to do. Uh, but uh, guess what we got this week to start uh, the show off with? Cocaine? Oh, I fucking wish. I wish I can't afford that fucking Christmas. Uh, no, we got an iTunes review. Not as good, not as good, but I'll deal with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think these iTunes reviews, man, and, uh, it's, it's about time. It's been a couple weeks, but I'm happy to see some iTunes reviews coming in again, and this one is a doozy. This is a five-star review from Jimmy Page Zoso 999 I like it already. The guy, yeah. likes, the guy likes that band, dude. Yeah, that, that, that band with the guy. Yeah, the guy yeah. with Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this five-star review is entitled, Listen Now. Woo! And, and Jimmy Page Zoso 999 says, and I quote, Even the discussions of bands that I don't know at all are still quite interesting and hilarious. These guys are the last remaining voices of free and uncensored adult talk. A real rock show by and for the fans. You hear that, Eddie Trunk? Yes. Yes. Nice, nice short, but to the point, everything he said was accurate. I love it, man. I love reviews like that. And that's true, man. We are we are the last, uh, the only show that talks about shit and, uh, you know, is as negative and hilarious as we are. We are the world. We, we are, are the perverts. That's right. We are the ones that like our ass licked. So come on, you sluts. My butt is open for you to lick it up. Ooh. Don't worry, baby, now. I took a big shower. Thank you. That's what I'm thank, talking about. Thank you, Jimmy Page Zoso 999. Fuck yeah, I loved it. That was awesome. Now, talk about something else to make this hard-on go away, because he aroused me. Oh, 
Oh, I, I, I can't make your heart on go away. I can only make it harder as we get into the news. News. Oh, man. Here's a show I'm, I'm so pissed. This band has only played... Well, th- this might take your cock down a notch or so. Uh, this band has only done three live shows so far. Two here in New Orleans. And both times I couldn't go because of work. But uh, Philip Sumo's new new band and minor uh, played this Friday. We're, we're recording this on Monday. They played Friday, but I had to work Saturday and I had to be there at four in the morning. And it's at my favorite venue, One-Eyed Jacks, the, the bar I took you to, Ralph. Uh, the the club in the French Quarter. And, uh, oh, man, I wish I could have went. And Minor is his new, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. It's way different for him, and he says it's very inspired by shit like, you know, real old Cure, and uh, real different from everything he's done. Very, he calls it the most depressing uh, music he's ever done, like, lyrically. And what I've heard, I, I really dig. I haven't got to see the video clips yet from this show, but uh, their album is supposed to come out in, in early 2000, I believe. And man, I was just really pissed because I would have loved to have seen this, but uh, I need money for drugs and alcohol, so I had to go to work. Shall uh, say when. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I missed that. It sucked. But there's something that sucks even more than me missing that great show at my favorite club. And that is the brand new Ozzy Osbourne video, Under the Graveyard. Fuck, was that terrible. Ooh, I, wow. you, know, you know what, as bad as it was, I don't know, maybe uh, an inch better than the song still. <laughs> it's hard to top the shittiness of that song. But goddamn, what a fucking shitty video. Oh Holy my god. Fuck. It, it, looked, it looked like a fucking bonus feature from the dirt. I mean, it's straight up ripping off the dirt as far as... You know, and, and, stylized and, like, and shit. It was like a reality show with Sharon talking. Like, yeah, right. Sharon looked that good back then. Give me a. Oh break. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I know a and lot even of even Ozzy. I mean, that. what was that? A teenager playing Ozzy? Ozzy was already like thirty at that time. Oh my god! It was so bad and so self-serving and such an ass kiss to Sharon. It's like, did he get caught cheating again? Again? And yeah, really, yeah. really, did he have all those groupies all over him during that time? I don't think so. Oh, the, no. The whole, the whole legend is the guy was, like, locked up alone in some fucking hotel getting drunk. Right. By all accounts, if you, if you read, you know, the stories of where he was at that point in time, it was him and Lee Gersman in a hotel room. I don't think there was any chicks, just him and Lee and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, they, they he ripped them off from the intro to Mr. Crowley. Yeah. That good yeah. old Ozzy, always doing that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, that was... What what a horrible song and, uh, and, and the video. Yeah, so... Oh, man. It, it's sad, dude. I'm really... Like, I'm, I'm past the point of being mad. I'm just sad that the new Ozzy is that bad. Yeah, I mean, th- this shit is so horrible, it almost made Perry Mason sound fucking good. I like that thing. Oh, Christ, I cannot stand that shit. But this new shit, man, and and for him at this stage in his career, you know, to, to do this new album with, with Andrew Watt playing guitar, you know, and, and for Andrew Watt, who sounds so good on that California Breed album, to play this horrible shit 
you know, on this Ozzy record, you know, you got Zach back and you don't utilize him. And it's just, it's jumping on a trend. Let's get on the Post Malone trend. And, oh, my God. It's just, it's really, really bad and sad for to see Ozzy go out, you know, on, on this note. Oh, man. Ultimate Sin is better. Oh, thank you. According to uh, me. Uh, you know, and one thing I want to throw in here while we're, we're shitting all over, you know, the hero, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, there was a post on our, our our Facebook page earlier this week. I believe it was this week. And the guy was talking about, oh, all the negativity and all this shit and shitting all over stuff. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and no offense, but, man, we're just keeping it fucking real. Not, we're just, you know, all this negativity, yeah, you know, every single video I post is not no classic or crap. It's shit that I think rules. And I, and, and I, I, most people on the page praise more than bad stuff. But the thing is, we must have bashed some shitty band he likes. So therefore, it's all negativity. Well, yeah. he, he probably likes Motley Crue or Kiss. Yeah. You know? and, and that, yeah, it's a free-for-all on our page. You hate those bands? You're more than welcome to come join us. Right. And but free for bash fest. To, to me, we just call it like we see it. It's not like we hate these people, but like... Right now, there's a lot of shitty stuff going on. Shitty tours, shitty albums coming out. And, you know, when we love something, we, we praise it just as much, you know. But right now, there's a lot of crap coming out. And we're we're the show that's not afraid to say this sucks. Because we're not like, oh, God, if we say it sucks, we'll never get so-and-so on the show. We're never going to get them on anyway because we're not going to kiss ass. We're not going to pander to anybody just to get somebody on the show. We're going to fucking keep it real, and that's why the people love us. And plus, uh, to have guests on the show is a lot of uh, work going back and forth on emails, and neither of us have the time. Right. And, and, and no, I'd, I'd love to do it, but still, I would never sacrifice the integrity of our show uh, and feel like we couldn't say something just to get somebody on. I mean, fuck that. You know, you might as well be Eddie Trump. We all are about integrity. By the way, hold on, Ian. Drink Coke, Coca-Cola at your local stores. All right, keep going. Ask for it by name. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, fucking Ozzy put out a shitty album. You know, and, 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 and for once, Roth and I are in agreement on this. I mean, this is this is bad. This is sad coming from the godfather of metal, but not going to sit there and lie. You know, but... You know, go back and listen to other episodes. The new Judas Priest came out. We loved it. We were very uh, we don't about have to that. Explain ourselves to this pickle whistler. Come on, uh, fuck, fuck him with his uh, looking at the glass like thir- three quarters uh, empty instead of three quarters full. Well, we're pos- We're very positive on our our page. Right. Well, I, I, I'm not saying fuck the guy. I, I mean, he, he listens to the show. I mean, he must like us. I'm just saying, don't act like everything we say is negative because it's only negative when we don't like it you know oh, fuck okay bye yeah. sorry all right but yeah Not new out new ozzy sucks yeah it fucking blows and the video's shitty it's terrible it's false it's fucking stupid it's like oh look let's let's uh let's have sympathy for the junkie and 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 look at uh sharon the, the I mean, yeah, she saved his life, but the way they portrayed it in that video was so fucking corny and stupid. 
Yeah, it she saved his life and ruined his legacy all at the same time. Oh, I don't believe in ruined legacy bullshit. That doesn't that if 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 Ozzy continues to fucking play arenas, no legacy has been. I always hear that. Oh, you're gonna ruin your legacy. They ain't gonna ruin shit. Uh, ACDC ruined their legacy with 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 uh, actual. They ain't ruined shit. Metallica ruined their legacy. Oh yeah, okay. They're playing stadiums, pal. They ruin. They ruin. They ruin uh, the mystique of the band to hardcores is the best way to say it. Yeah, but that's all I give a fuck about is hardcores. I don't give a shit about casual fans. Fuck casual but, fans. Uh, casual fans what packs the place, so therefore, you know, hey, man, I, I, I'm i not going to go see the stadium tour. Ozzy's coming here. I'm not going to that shit, you know, but it's still going to, they don't need me there. I ain't going to affect nothing. I'm going to affect nothing, and I'm aware of this. I'm a realist, man. Yeah, you know? This- didn't you just you, say, though, you're going to go see the stadium if it's free? Or no, was that the, it was what, you. It was you that said it. I said I wouldn't even go for free. Or, I, or, or what would you say? Maybe it was the, the, the Kiss Diamond Dave thing you said. You yes, free. yes. I will see that for free. For Dave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll go for that, you know. Okay, I, I, I will admit that. The last time I, I skipped it, but this time I'm not keeping that promise if I can go for free. <coughs> But no, stadium tour? No fucking way. I mean, come on. All right. This is how I'll go to the stadium tour. Def Leppard playing nothing but On Through the Night. I don't give a fuck if Motley Crue plays whatever. But play all of On Through the Night and I'm there. You know? That's how I'll go. But to go to see a greatest hits show, and you know the greatest hits of both bands pretty much suck. I'm not a fan of the greatest hits from, you know, except maybe, you know, I like Photograph and Foolin'. That's about the only greatest hits I like from, from them. You know how I'll go to that show is is if Poison plays all of Native Tongue in order. You know that that way I don't have to go. Yeah. That, way, that way I can say, "Hey, I was gonna." You know. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of positivity, and this is something I saw you put out your own little news thing on your uh, on your what your various you. Well, you only have one YouTube page now, but it, it encompasses right. everything. I cut it uh, But uh. You, you talked on that about going to, to the uh, Rock and Ribs 10th anniversary. Yes, yes. Uh, but but for the people who didn't see that video, uh, how, how was that? You enjoyed that shit, huh? I had so much fun, man. It was the 10th anniversary, and it was the first time I went to an anniversary thing there. It was the first time I saw Nico at the restaurant, and um, it was awesome. And what I've, what I've uh, heard from everybody that's been to those anniversary things they said every past anniversary it rained. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. Did Gorgeous. you get Did you get food? Were they giving food out? No. Or? No. Uh, they did. They were, but it was such a long wait. And there was an Arby's in that same little strip mall. Yeah. <laughs> I remember so I went, that. I went there. You know, but um, <laughs> but no. Um, but dude, I got to see Pat Travers and meet Tra- Pat Travers. I talked to Ripper for a while. Ripper killed it. Did fucking Flight of Icarus, um, Wrathchild. Uh, can't remember. There was another Maiden song he did, and he did three pre. He did like six songs, and Pat Travers came out and fucking killed it. And Nico joined him at the end for a reunion. He did like four songs, and it was amazing. And then we got to meet Pat Travers, who who was on something. <laughs> he, he was. 
I think he did not uh, actually snort coke, uh, drink cocaine, and drink out, uh, whiskey. I think it was the other way around. He went into this little trailer. You know, Nico got some trailers there for the artists. And uh, we saw him go in, and we were just hanging out. And I was like, man, I want to meet Pat Travers. Let's hang out here, you know, until he comes out. And when he did, man, he couldn't have been cooler. But boy, was he kind of extra happy. <laughs> nice. He was like, he comes out where he, hey, can you take a picture? He's like, if you want to take a picture with me, we can't do that shit here. Let's go to the light. Like, he made a big deal about it. Let's go to the light. Like, you know that cameras have flashes, right? <laughs> let's go over here. He's like, come on, guys. Let's go over here where the light is. <laughs> Carol Ann. <laughs> it was wild. And, uh, yeah, it was packed. There was so many, man, so many of my friends were there that I didn't see. That's how packed it was. There was a lot of people I actually didn't see that were there that when I come back home, I see pictures of them at Facebook at the place, and I'm like, wow. But um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun and uh, a lot of great music, great vibe. Uh, it was just a, it was a blast. It was really, really fucking cool. And Pat Travers kicked ass. He didn't do Boom Boom, though. That was no? kind of Yeah, he didn't do that. And he wow. played for like an hour and a half. He did everything else I wanted to hear. Wow, but, but no boom, boom. No huh? boom, boom. He didn't do boom, boom. Oh. oh, and you know who was on bass? Was Jaco Pistorius' son. I believe oh. it's Alex Pistorius. Oh, yeah, wow. and, and boy, boy did he have that uh, the, the bass genes from that guy. That guy was phenomenal. Wow. Phenomenal. And my buddy Paolo with Made of Metal, he did Purgatory and... Riot, Thunder, Steel—they did a lot of good shit, man. It was fucking—it was a blast. Was the Beast there? Did you run into the Beast? He was there, but I didn't run into him. See, I told you there was a lot of people I didn't see. I saw a picture of him with somebody, and I was like, "Oh, look, the Beast was there." Uh, Bobby Gubbsson was there. I didn't see him. There was a lot of people wow. that I didn't see, you know, while I was there. Was man, the, the Beast was so nice, man. He was a really cool dude. Yeah, he's awesome, dude. He's yeah, the yeah. Yeah, that was that was really cool of Judas Priest when you introduced me to him, man. What a nice guy. Hell yeah. All right, well, something else you did, because we were supposed to record this uh, episode a couple days earlier, but you had to go see Morbid Angel. How was that? That was awesome, with uh, Watane and uh, Incantation. And, uh, oh, man, talk about a brutal triple bill. Uh, Incantation only played 30 minutes, but they did. They made their mark. Watane was... I think Watain stole the show, to tell you the truth. Morbid Angel was awesome, but not enough old shit. You know, they did, uh, they didn't do Chapel of Ghouls, which is like, you know, they're Seek and Destroy. Uh, but, you know, they did uh, Blasphemy. They did uh, Day of Suffering, uh, Rapture. I don't think they, they didn't do Immortal Rights either. So, you know, I was kind of disappointed with the set list. But they were great. You know, the thing is, dude, I'm more of a Dave Vincent guy. I know he's, right. a, he's a weird fucker, but, you right. know, Steve Tucker's okay and all, but he, I, I, I'm more into the original. The original Merc uh, Morbid Angel is my favorite death metal band. And it was a lot of fun. I had a fun at that show, too, man. I had, I had a blast. Right at, Where'd you see that at? The Revolution, which is in Fort Lauderdale. It's like a... It's like a, a big club with two stories, with two with a balcony. And uh, it holds about, I'd say, maybe 800 people. And it was pretty packed. 
you know, a lot of people did show up for that. So it was right. a great turnout. And yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was awesome. Right on. Well, next story. Finally, somebody let all the air out of the fucking Black Sabbath balloon when Pete Townsend came out and said uh, they kind of sort of invented heavy metal. Uh, what do you think of that? Well, it's uh, the same thing I say about Kanye West, Gene Simmons, Lars Ulrich. Pete's got a new album out. Gonna get his name in the news. Say uh, he's glad that these two are gone and Twistle and Moon. He's just gonna say outlandish shit over and over again to get people talking. Now, does he believe it? Yeah, he probably does. But, you know, I've seen the arguments online and, you know, most people were saying Black Sabbath, but then, you know, you always have these people that have to bring a blue cheer. And, you know, to me, man, I think they're racist. I think they hate Jimi Hendrix. They don't realize <laughs> Jimi Hendrix has been doing the same, same shit Blue Cheer was doing before Blue Cheer. What the fuck? I mean, have you heard Spanish Castle Magic, Fire, all that shit? You know, come on. Give me a break. You're going to tell me Blue Cheer invented it? Look, Black Sabbath invented it. There's Proto Metal. You know, you can even point at the Beatles with, uh, you know, um, uh, Helter Skelter. Right. Uh, the, 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 the Kinks. Fu the Fuzz Guitar and You Really Got Me on the Kinks. Um, you know, a lot of shit. And the God of the Vita. You can point at a lot of proto metal, but, dude, when it comes to the Who, I, I credit Who more, the Who more punk rock. You know, the, the My Generation song, to me, is snotty attitude, very punky before punk rock. So, if anything, I'd credit the Who to be not the first punk rock band, but pretty much wrote the first punk rock song, you know? But metal, no. And and believe me, and he points at Live at Leeds as an example. Dude, Live at Leeds is awesome. Not metal, but killer hard rock, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, and everybody knows that, I mean, truly heavy metal was created by Gene Simmons, and he has the copyright on heavy metal, you know, and, 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 and the sign, you know, so. Uh, say somebody else created heavy metal, You'll get sued. Remember, Gene Simmons said that when he was trying to promote an album. <laughs> See, that's how it works, man. You say all this outlandish shit before an album comes out, and uh, it's going to get your name in the news. And people fall for it, hook, line, and sinker. Now, there's some people out there that don't do that. They're just douchebags by nature. Like, you know, that guy that said he was selling out stadia, uh, arenas in 1984? That fucker oh, had, nothing uh, to, he had nothing to sell at the time. And he's saying stupid shit like that. You know, that guy's an authentic uh, fucking douchebag. Everybody else, they just want their name in the news. Oh, God. That that, that douchebag whose uh, first album you like? Ugh. Yeah, Montrose. I dig that album. Oh, God. That's like saying, uh, oh, I, I, I hate Hitler, but I'm a big fan of the Holocaust. Oh, God. So, so, so tell us how you used to like Kiss, uh, Ian. Ah, I, I, I still like Old Kiss, but I don't want to listen to Yeah, there to you go. Well, but you bitch about them more than fucking anybody. Yeah, yeah, they suck now. Yeah. Just just pointing the mirror at you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody who is actually metal has two albums coming out uh, within the next 18 months, and I'm excited for both of those. Joey Vera! Yes! New Armored Saint and New Fate's Warning. Yeah. And uh, very excited about uh, both those releases. I'm not like a super big Fates Warning fan, but I am a fan of the Joey Vera era of them. 
I, I don't know. Those grab me a lot more than the older shit. Maybe if I dig into them, I'll like the older shit better. But uh, the albums I checked out with Joey Vera, uh, I, I think they're pretty cool. Have you checked out those? Yeah. That era of Fates Warning? Yeah, 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 they're good. My, my favorite's the John Arch era. But, right. I, you know, John Arch and then Oh No Exit, I really liked the first one with Ray Elder. I think we reviewed that, right? Yeah, I think we did No Exit. Yeah, yeah and, uh, yeah, I like that one a lot. I, I like the really early stuff. But what I've heard of the Joey Vera stuff, though I don't own any of it, I enjoyed it, but it didn't really entice me enough to out to go out and buy it. Right. Now, I'm insane. I mean, uh, Gonzo just finished his drum track. So they're moving along quite nicely. If that's done, then you know uh, you know all the songs are written. So just, you know, the rest of the guys got to go in there and uh, tidy it up. So I'm looking forward to it because they've been on a streak where they haven't made one bad album yet. So... And when they do, come to fucking New Orleans, man, because I still have yet to see uh, Armored Saint, man. What I an would, amazing live band. I would love to see that. I show. would love to see Armored Saint headline. I mean, I went to I went to California to see them headline, and uh, the great Brian Davis was there, but I didn't know him yet. And I did see the Symbol of Salvation tour um, in here, in, down in Florida, but... The last time I saw them open for Queensryche, and they destroyed Queensryche. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm like, you know, okay, uh, you're a bigger Armored Saint fan. That's why you're saying it. Well, honestly, Queensryche really pulled out a shitty set list that night. A real shitty set list. A lot of empire. And, you know, not enough of, uh, you know, the early shit that I like, you know? I mean, when I saw the, the them at the casino... Dude, they played nothing but songs. Well, they played Empire, Silent Lucidity, and everything else from was Mind Crime Down. You know, they opened with fucking Knight Rider, man. And they did fucking Enforce and The Whisper. And, uh, you know, just a bunch of shit from those albums that I love. And that was a fucking awesome show. But they're coming again with John 5. So I'm tempted to go. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd like to see John 5 again. I saw him once with Rob Zombie, and he was awesome. I didn't like Rob Zombie much, but he was great. Right, I mean, I've, I've seen him with Rob Zombie, but I've never seen, you know, him do a solo show. Yeah, I'd like to see that, man. Yeah, I'd really love to see him fucking shred. Uh, well, here's an interesting tour. Probably going to skip me. Might come by you. Uh, and I would check this shit out. But uh, Doc and Lita Ford and Lynch Mob. Yeah. <sighs> But Dawkins so terrible now, man. He can't sing at all. Yeah. You know, it's really bad, dude. I mean, it's really, really bad. Look at any recent footage. They showed a footage, like, played some, like, food truck, <laughs> food truck convention shit. And, God, it was so bad. I mean, it's not like he even tries. Yeah. You well, know? You know, I, I saw him, you know, with, with uh, you know, you know, fake Doc and, you know, without George Lynch. Because anything without George Lynch to me is fake. And I admit that that Levin dude, he's good. He can play. I'm sorry. I'm I'm only interested if fucking Lynch is there. Uh, but I thought he sounded okay. But I have seen some recent videos. I don't know if I saw the same one you did. But I saw one. Maybe it was like the M3 festival last year or some shit. But, ooh, boy. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty rough. But I would go... Uh, just to see George Lynch play live. Yeah. And yeah. and, and uh, I saw Lita Ford about five years ago, and she yeah. put on a great show. So did so, I. 
I would go, and they're advertising that every show is going to end, uh, you know, with an encore performance of Don and, uh, and and George Lynch. So, you know, for for that alone, I would go. But right. I got a feeling it's not going to be a big tour, and is probably not going to play New Orleans, which is considered a a secondary market, and it's not something I would travel for, <laughs> you know. But if it came here, I would go. But I am excited because there's like three shows coming up uh, that I definitely want to go see. And I'm hoping maybe one of them I could get you to come see. I don't know if you'd be interested enough or not. Uh, you know, and it might depend. These shows might be playing your own backyard where, of course, it would be cheaper for you to just see them at home. Uh, the first one I know you're probably not interested in, uh, which is Soulfly. But no. Soulfly. Soulfly is playing at Tipitina's, which is two blocks from my house, and they're playing. I, I think it's it's either Municipal Waste or Toxic Holocaust is playing with them. One of those two bands, but it's like a band I'd really love to see. And uh, and I, I I love Soulfly, especially later day Soulfly. A lot of people gave up because I think the, their first three metal, their first three albums were you know what a lot of people would consider new metal. <laughs> But then they stepped away from that, and they're much heavier now. And I'm I'm really a big Soulfly fan. Uh, also, Sepultura is coming through, and I believe they're playing with. Yeah, they're Pro- they're coming here with uh, Sacred Reich and another band I like. I, I think I think Crowbar is playing with them. Yeah, yeah, it's Sacred Reich yeah. and Crowbar, and I'll go for I'll go to that. Yeah, yeah, that that I want to see, and and uh, the the new song. I, they released another one I haven't heard yet, but the first uh, Sepultura song that I heard off the new album was like, wow. That, I heard it. It was terrible. You didn't, you didn't like it? Oh, it was so bad. Uh, I, I dug it. I dug it. But, uh, you know, I, I like I like New Era Sepultura. I like all, all eras of Sepultura. Don't don't bother me. I don't have a problem I, with Derek Green. I didn't even like Chaos AD. So right, I gave, right. I gave up after Arise. Understandable. Uh, and then also, uh, Overkill is coming. And I forget who the fuck they're touring with. Uh, Exhorter, I think. Yeah, Exhorter, and there, <laughs> there's somebody else, man. It's a really good lineup. Yeah, but there's there's two shows they're playing with. Um, oh, who is it? It's, um, I know, opening Demolition Hammer, who I love. And I forgot who the other one was. It's another amazing band. Uh, there, it's only two shows though. I love oh, Exhorter yeah. though. Exhorter is awesome. I once yeah. played with them. They're a badass band. Oh yeah, I, I saw their uh, their first like reunion show. It was them and Crowbar here in New Orleans, and it was Exhortus. Fucking... I'm sorry, I'm saying Exhorter. It's Exhortus. Oh, oh Exhorter's playing with one of these bands that I'm talking about. Exhorter's touring with them, and it, it's like man, it's like three concerts I want to see with, and they're all within like two weeks of each other. Uh, it's, I think they're all in March, but uh, man, really excited! And you know, if there's one that tickles your fancy, I know I know I'm mixing up the fucking the opening bands and stuff, but there's some really good lineups, like really good metal shows. And it's been a while; like I didn't hit too many shows this past year, but I'm ready to put the fucking teens behind me because you know, other than this fucking podcast, uh, the teens ain't been too good to your boy. So I'm looking forward to the Roaring Twenties. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. A new decade. 
go see some fucking metal that I love and uh, eagerly anticipating these shows. Uh, but while we were talking about Crowbar, uh, it's official Down is going to do some 25th anniversary shows and Kirk is back in the band. Yeah. Which is oh, awesome. uh, let me go back to the. Uh, it's MOD and Demolition Hammer are playing two oh, shows. Oh, okay. Yeah, I looked it up. And the other one is uh, Exhorter and Hydroform. I don't know who that is. Yeah, me either. Yeah, Exhorter. Goddamn. I'll tell you a funny story about Exhorter. This is an amazing story, actually. I saw Exhorter uh, open for Deicide down here, and I had no idea who they were. And they blew my mind so much, I bought the CD uh, Slaughter in the Vatican. Yeah, um, but great album. I, I had no idea who they were. And that was the only time I saw them, but they blew my mind so much. I bought a shirt and a CD that night. And I thought they were better than DSI. And I love DSI. And this is back when DSI was releasing good shit. I think it was uh, What's Upon the Cross, that tour. Yeah. Which, they, to me, I, I mean, that's where it ended for me with DSI. I like newer DSI. I don't mind them. They're, I don't, you know, I'm admittedly not a huge death metal fan, but they're one of the bands I, I dig. I, I like them. They're great live, but I'm not into their newer stuff. Uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm coming up on, on things now. Okay, Overkill is, uh, yeah, with Exhorter and, uh, and Hydroform. And Sepultura is, yeah, Sacred Reich and Crowbar. So, man, those are those are some good lineups. Then Sepultura, I believe, I mean, uh, Soulfly is the one that's playing with uh, Toxic Holocaust. Toxic and, Holocaust, their last album's God. Yeah, and, and that's the one that's two blocks from my house. I mean, it's on a Tuesday, but fuck it, dude. It's two blocks from my house. I'm taking the day, you know. Uh, unfortunately, I think all of these shows are, like, during the week, but I'm going to take some vacation days because I'm going to get trashed to go see some fucking metal. You'll definitely meet Joel Grind. That guy loves hanging out with the fans. Yeah. He's awesome. Awesome, awesome guy. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, here's something that I believe... Uh, was announced after we recorded our last episode. Uh, and that is the fact that my lord and savior, David Lee Roth, is opening up for Scab Kiss on uh, what, you know, laughably is, is considered the final leg of their North American five-year farewell tour. And, uh... Ah, man, it's... Uh, Mm. Yeah, I don't know. This, this, this is like Ozzy opening up for fucking poison to me. Uh, uh, yeah, not not happy about this one. Would I go? Yes. Am I happy about it? No, because I think it, it, I think it's beneath Dave. And I know I, I know you're very critical of current Dave, and uh, I, I'm kind of on the on the fence. Like, what I've seen coming up to this new, you know, Vegas thing he's doing, I'm kind of scared of, but I, I'll reserve judgment till like, I see how it sounds, I see how he sounds, I see how the band sounds, I see the set list, but him opening up for fucking Scab Kiss, uh, oh, that, that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. What do you think? Yeah, it's fucking terrible. I saw that and I was like, oh boy, the Vegas shit went bad enough. Now you gotta stoop low to do this. Yeah, now, I, I I say Dave should talk to Paul and he let him borrow his little tape machine. 
Right. Now, now, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I mean, where, where do you see the reasoning for this? Is it, is this to add some extra to, uh, to Kiss's tour or what? I, I find it kind of odd that they're taking Dave out. I really do. Oh, they'll take Dave out to, you know, to look, Kiss is, Kiss again, another lie from Kiss. Paul Stanley said, look, when we play your town, it'll be the last time you get to see us. Now they're going back to the same cities again. Right. And they figured, look, if we add Dave, you know, the people that will be like, oh, fuck these guys. They already came. They'll be like, oh, fuck, Dave's with them? You know, right. so, yeah, they know what they're doing. And Dave, Dave's excuse to me is like, that That guy's a road dog. And he, he just wants to tour. Right. You know? So, you know, he, he'll hop onto that tour, whatever tour there is. But um, I said, you know, I told you before the air, it's like, I won't pay to see that. But, you know, I didn't I didn't go see End of the Road Tour, even if I got a free ticket. But if I get a free ticket of this one, I'll go for Dave. I will see, go. I, I, I would pay for this, but I wouldn't travel. And it, it's, it's not coming to uh, New Orleans, so uh, I'm not going to see it. I, I think... It might be coming to Mississippi, but I'm still, I'm not, I'm not traveling for this. Uh, you know, because that last Kiss show I saw, you know, I tell you, it's one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life, if not the worst show. Uh, and it's still bad. You know, they have this, dude, I saw recent um, clips of them in Japan. Oh yeah. my God. Paul is like really, really fucking... He's like giving that tape machine a rest, man. Right. I mean, it, and it was rock and roll all night, the clip I saw. You know, right. even the, the little bit he does in that song, he was struggling. And Gene Simmons, dude, really, he's so going through the motions. It's like he doesn't even care anymore. Well, the thing, another thing I find very odd about, you know, this mixture is the type of people who are going to see this Kiss tour are Sammy Hagar fans. You know, that, that, that that's the best way to explain it. I, I, I mean, these aren't diehard Kiss fans. Well, maybe some of them are, but they're, you know, blind Kiss fans, obviously. But, in, you know, like we talked about, you know, th- th- it, it's kind of like uh, what the stadium tour is. It's not for the hardcores. It's for the, oh, I know that song from the radio kind of people. Right. And, and those kind of people are the people who are like, eh, I, 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 I like that Sammy shit. So I think it's it's a weird mix. And then to know, like, Gene's whole history with, you know, thinking Dave sucks and shit, uh, I, I find it very odd. And I, I, I think Dave's going to find out, too, that, you know, as, as much as I love him and I worship him, I don't think there's going to be, you know, in 2020, I don't think there's the pool for solo David Lee Roth that there is for Van Halen. No. You know? And uh, I, I think he's in for a, a, a shock on this Vegas shit, even though I would love to go. I would, You know, any chance to see Dave, you know, I, I would go. But without Eddie there with him, you know, uh, I don't know. I think the Vegas thing is going to bomb. I don't think it's necessarily going to suck, but I think it's going to bomb. Uh, you know, and let's see how much mileage Kiss can get out of this, you know, this retread of the farewell tour. I mean, I think the one, you know, the Kiss show that's going to do the best, obviously, is, you know, when they ended at Madison Square Garden. 
that, of course, is going to be a big I'm, I, I don't think it's going to be there. I think it might be Central Park. I can see it there. Yeah. Yeah, I think because they are going to end it in New York. They didn't announce the venue yet, but I believe it's going to be there. And I, had, go ahead. I, I, I see him, though. Like, even if the demand isn't there, I can see, you know, the ego of Gene, like, paying to play Madison Square Garden just to say it's going to end there. But in reality, it could probably be at a bowling alley in the Bronx. Did you know? Uh, I, I was not aware of this, but did you know that when bands play Madison Square Garden, they really don't make money? Did you know this? Uh, I, does, I forgot. It have, does it have to do with, like, you know, the, the union costs? Yeah, no, I... I I guess I don't know, but most bands play Madison Square Garden for the prestige, right? And I forgot who was the one that was interviewed talking about that, saying, "Yeah, you really don't make money when you play there, but you do it, you know, for the prestige and shit." And I think you know, in in a case like Kiss and Billy Joel who play multiple nights, that's how you make the money. But if you like play one night there, it's really about the prestige. Of uh, of playing Madison Square Garden, but there's something about Madison Square Garden that I think you have to pay a lot of fucking money where you barely break even. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm 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 not sure if I heard that, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. It was some guy that played Madison Square Garden. I saw that interview, and I can't remember for the life of me now who it was. And I just saw it a few weeks ago. I can't remember now. Right. All right. Well, here's one thing I'm trying to look up, uh, but I can't seem to find it. But you might know because uh, you like that Jesus metal shit. There's some fucking Jesus metal band that's out now that is selling like a shitload, and 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 they're really big. Do you know who I'm talking about? Who are they called? What are they called? That's what I'm trying to find. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the band. I don't know. The only Jesus bands I like is like Striper and Baron Cross and Ve Vengeance Rising and uh, Trouble. But I've never heard them, nor do I have the desire to, but Skillet. I never heard of them. You ain't never heard of them? Okay. You know, I think, I think I did in passing. I think I did, yes. But I never heard their music, but I think I have heard them in passing. Yeah, I've never. Apparently, they're they're out of Nashville, so you know, Sinzak and Camaro probably know them, and they they like that striper shit. But uh, man, I I've seen like, you know, their record sales and their shit on Spotify and all this shit, and and they're doing fucking huge. Yet I've never ever heard this band. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'm being you know. Uh, a little prejudice here. Not a fan of the Jesus Freaks, but uh, like, oh god, it, it's like if that's the biggest band right now, is, is you know commercially as far as metal. Oh boy, pray for us all. Yeah, you uh, never know; they might be good, man. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I you know I hate to judge a book by a cover, but goddamn, just just looking at them, uh, I gotta say no. But uh, but I, I will after this episode, I I, I will check it out. But I, I'm gonna hate it. I'm Where's gonna... the connection of Jesus and a skillet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the the skillet that Jesus used for the for the Last Supper. I don't know. I didn't I see no skillet in that picture. Uh, well, well, yeah. Well, they didn't take the picture in the kitchen. No, you know, they, it's they, at the dinner table. 
You look on the side, there's a George Foreman grill. Oh, okay. No well, why, did, why did they call themselves George Foreman grill? Probably because yeah, the cop yeah, copyrighted copyright. You know. They should have just called it Jesus Grill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because a lot of these people, you know, they see Jesus and toast and shit like that. So. Oh, speaking oh. of toast, I forgot to tell you. I'm uh, starting a satanic band called Toaster. Thank God. Yeah. Oh, good. And see, good. there's a connection. Toasters get high, like, you know, in hell. Nice. See? Not so vague like Skillet, but Skillets get hot like in hell, too. These guys are satanic. Awesome. I, I'm going to start an atheist band just called Waffle Lion. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. I'm going to start a grindcore band called Kansas City Hot Plate. Oh, oh, I'm getting paid on that, goddammit. I, I, I want some kind of, no, give I'm me still, some, I'm give me some, I want some t-shirt sales from that. I'm <laughs> still waiting for you to charge me for using Pickle Whistler a lot. Nah, you can have Pickle Whistler, but goddammit, Kansas City Hot Plate's mine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, well, uh. Okay, that, that's about it for news. But, you know, a lot of people lately have been enjoying um, our movie talk. Yeah. And I've uh, get, been getting a lot of reviews for that. And, uh, man, I saw a really good movie uh, the other day. I don't believe it's been released yet. You know, Mr. X, I, you know, always gives me the hookup. Uh, but I saw Uncut Gems. I don't know about that. What is it about? Uh, it's, it's, it's about two hours. Uh, and it's the new movie with Adam Sandler. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, I saw. It. Yeah, I saw it. It's kind of like a uh, a drama with robbery and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's okay. Uh, all right. There, there, there's funny elements, but uh, you know, it's more of a crime caper movie. Uh, you know, than you know, it's it, it's not like you know Happy Gilmore. Um, you liked it? Uh, I I did. I did. Um, the movie could have used some editing, could have used some trimming. I thought it was a little bit longer than it needed to be. But the thing that everybody's going on and on about, I, I believe, is totally justified, and that's the performance of Adam Sandler. I thought he was incredible. Uh, he was funny, but without being, you know, like slapstick funny. I mean, there, there, there's comedy elements, but basically... He's he's just a degenerate gambler, and, and really kind of like not not a good person. Uh, you know, he, he's really kind of an asshole. But he his acting is impeccable. He does really really good, and I would recommend it to anybody. Uh, I think his performance is better than the movie overall, but it's still a good movie. I, I think it was just could have used some editing. Um, but there's been a lot of buzz about his performance, and I feel that it, it was 100% justified. Uh, really, really good. So check out Uncut Gems. You know, you know what I like what he did the very first time I ever saw Adam Sandler, uh, the trivia delinquent. Remember that? Oh, on uh, Remote Control. He was great, man. He used to crack me up when he come out yeah. and stutter and say some funny shit before. Uh, and most of the time he would say it, nobody would laugh, and I would laugh my ass off. I thought yeah. it was hilarious. Oh, how about this, Ian? Uh, Eddie Murphy, did you watch it, the Saturday Night Live thing? Yes, yes, I did, and I, I, I saw a little bit of uh, your review of it. Uh, 
and part, parts I agree with and part I don't. Uh, I, I think it's being praised a lot better than what it was. But I, I, I do think it was funny. I did notice he had some problems with his delivery in certain yeah. skits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that is like, you know, is it because he's 58? Was it a lack of uh, preparation? Was it nerves? I don't know, but he he did he did have some problems with his delivery in certain skits, um, and it was an interesting take. And it's something you know, I think most people were wondering: Is he going to revisit old characters? Is it going to be you know straight up new shit? And it was it was fifty fifty. He was in he, he was in a lot of skits more than most uh, guest hosts are in. You know, I'd say normally. You know, the guest host is in probably 30 to 40% of the guests. It was straight up 50-50 with Eddie Murphy. Um, but uh, but some stuff I thought was absolutely, like Gumby. Gumby was the best by far. Oh, I didn't like it. I didn't yeah. like, you know what I liked was Buckwheat. Really? Uh, See, that to me was one that let me down, was the Buckwheat. No. The bu- the, when Buckwheat sang, though, when he sang those yeah. new songs, it yeah. cracked me up. That's the part that would make me laugh. I like the, the the baking the baking sketch. Yeah, that was funny, and that was he actually a... he actually said shit. <laughs> yeah, oh god, the look on his face too when he said it. Yeah, like he, and he, like he and he put his hand over his mouth. <laughs> as, as far as the newer sketches, I love the last one, where it was Which the one was that? that was the one with the elves and the polar bear. And yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, that was funny too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't care what my name is. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then then he says. His name was Kitty Diddler. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah that was good. No, that was good. Here's the thing I complained about. I didn't like Ro- Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. I love Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. I just felt like it was so 82. It worked back then. It doesn't work t- in today's age. Uh, Velvet Jones, you know, it worked back then. What he was saying, it wasn't really not as good as back then, but the we live in a different age that it doesn't have the same impact. And, right. uh, but I like the buckwheat. I like that polar bear and I like the, the baking sketch, yeah. you know? So uh, one out of three was an old character. And I like, you know, only like when buckwheat sang, everything said, you know, be, uh, between songs I didn't care for, but right. I can't remember the songs he sang, but they were funny, man. But God damn it. When I see buckwheat, I'm here. Una panuna banca. Yeah. I love that shit. But he did it. He did some good ones. Some good ones. Really things. though, you didn't like Gumby though, man. Oh, I thought Gumby was. the I best. thought Gumby was a little too tryhard. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, but uh, you know, it was great to see him again. The one thing I was really disappointed in, though. Uh, but I mean, there's probably other factors that 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 stopped it. But uh, in the opening monologue. When he brought out all the other, you know, yeah. uh, former black cat, yeah, and all of them, I really want to see Garrett Morris come out, you know, because I, I think you know, out of all the original cast members, uh, yeah. Garrett, Garrett Morris doesn't get enough credit, and he was incredible on the original, uh, you know, the not ready for primetime players. Baseball but, been very good to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love uh, when he do uh, the the voice for the hearing impaired, and he would just shout everything. Uh, Francisco Franco is still is dead. dead. <laughs> I love that shit. Dude, uh, when I was a little kid, watching that was like watching porn. Oh, we, yeah. We'd stay up late at night. Me and my friend Yai would stay up late at night and watch Saturday Night Live. 
and it was like porn. It was so cutting edge back then, you know. Oh, and this it, was pre-Bill Murray. I'm talking about year one. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, because uh, you know a lot of people, uh, you know, maybe hardcore people know, but Chevy Chase was only full time on the first season, and they did like two episodes in the second season, and then was replaced by Bill Murray. Uh, but you know, another thing that's important to point out is, uh, you know, I, I've got all the original series uh, on video, I do too. And, and it's kind of the same as it is now. When you watch it, there's like maybe three sketches where you're like, "Oh, that's genius," and there's a lot of shit that falls flat, even with the classic, the original lineup. Right. I mean, it's always been that way. And I'm very faithful to Saturday Night Live. I watch it every fucking week when it's on. Uh, and right now is is, is a, a great time and a sad time for SNL because I think they have an extremely talented cast right now. But the writing is not up to snuff. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's been their biggest problem for a long time is the writing. They, they have people on that show who can do anything. You know, Kate McKinnon. Uh, Beck Bennett is great. Uh, Cicely Strong is fucking great. I mean, a lot of great people on there. But the writing and what SNL hasn't done in a long time is come up with that great character that you see from week to week, you know, or, or like every couple of episodes. They haven't created like a new character that, right. that, that, that stands the test of time. And, and that's the true hallmark of any good, you know, era of SNL is that one you know skit that you want to see over and over again but uh you know I, I, I still love it. it it was a good episode uh you know this has been kind of a hit or miss season for me but uh but no I mean it was a I would love to see Eddie Murphy come back again I was hoping Joe Piscopo would show up you yeah, know, I, yeah I thought too. that would have been great you know because anybody who watched that era Man, him and Joe Piscopo had so many classic, uh, you know, skits that they were in together. I mean, because they were the two big stars in a very dark time uh, for SNL. But I believe there's a falling out between those guys. And I don't know the whole story, but I believe there's a falling out between them. Uh, you know, and maybe that has something to do with like Joe Piscopo now is very, uh, very right wing. And, and SNL is a very, you know... Oh, that definitely lean, won't lean have towards, a lot. Lean towards the left, so yeah. uh, maybe that you know the same thing with Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller is uh, he went the conservative, uh, you know, route, which I, I mean is smart because there's an outlet for that, and I think a lot of these people. I don't even know if it's really their beliefs. I just think like, oh, I need to find a niche here, and you know, I know the same thing happened with uh, oh god, what was the blonde chick that was on the lady. Uh, Victoria Jackson became like a staunch, like fucking right wing person, and they didn't bite her back for some shit. So that's fucked uh, up. That's all political bullshit. And the people that like today, people can't look past that. You know, you have to fucking downtrod. Oh, you don't believe in what I believe, so therefore, no bone for you. Right. Well, I, I mean, and maybe I'm a little biased here because I'm definitely like. Well, you're bleep. definitely you're definitely biased because if the shoe was on the other foot, you'd be complaining. Oh, they ain't letting him out because he's too left. You know well, what I mean? Well, well, what what I'm getting at though is I just I don't find a lot of like you know the the, the right leaning comics. I don't find them funny. Well, and, people do though. I, and, I, I, and, I find and, I find some of them funny. 
And, and to, I mean, to me, funny is funny. If it's funny, I don't give a fuck, you know, what you do or what you say, but it's got to be funny. But I, I mean, you know, and it's not like I love every comic that's liberal or anything like that. It's got to be funny. But I mean, I can't think of any like, you know, you know, when I think of like fucking right wing comics, I think of shit like fucking uh, uh, what's that fucking horrible Jeff Foxworthy, like that kind of shit. No, I don't not, know none of that shit. Yeah, All I know, and I wouldn't say, and I wouldn't say this person's right right wing or not, but he was fighting about uh, fighting against uh, the political correct, which is mostly Democrats. Is Dave Chappelle? I thought his latest, latest oh, yeah. and uh, Netflix thing was fucking brilliant. Oh, I, I loved it. I lo- oh, it's got it. Brilliant. And he was saying shit that, you know, because that's what the, dude, the, you know, whether you fucking want to admit it or not, all this left shit is, is mostly to blame for politically correctness. You, see, oh, you no, can't no, say shit because it'll no, offend, I... it'll offend this person, it'll offend that person. Come on, man. It's I, got yeah. ridiculous. Hey, I, I mean, look at me though. I, I, I'm, I'm liberal. You, you ever see me worrying about being politically correct and uh, offending somebody? I'm, I'm the king of wishing people fucking dead for Christ's sake. You know. I know you're, you're very hypocritical. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying though is just, just because my politics lean towards the left doesn't mean my comedy does, and it doesn't mean I censor what I say. Well, there I you worry go. About somebody's feelings. Well, you there know? you go, Ian. And uh, your, your kind of comedy is appealing. See. Well, that's what I was saying. Hey, man, people go out there and do, they do the Wadzilla thing. That's uh, I'd be all for it, you know. Right. But I, what what I'm just saying though is I find uh, you know, uh, like you said about the Dave Chappelle, I thought it was great, man. That skit where he said like, uh, I'm gonna do an impression, and when he was making fun of like uber sensitive people and shit, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm talking about you, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, I love that. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought it was great because I think, you know, when shit gets that sensitive, to me it gives, you know, liberals a bad name because it, it takes it to an extreme. Just like, you know, there, there's some moderate conservatives that I don't think are like is extremely right wing is like say you're like your hardcore Christian right kind of shit. You know, there's always people who take it to another level. That just take all the joy out of life, be it on the left or the right. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I look, I'm more right than left, but the the ultra conservatives are sickening. But the ultra uh, fucking Democrats are sickening too. Oh, I agree. I mean, I they're, agree. they're fucking people that, with no facts at all, you know, just oh, you know, institutionalized racism. Prove it. You can say it. But can you prove it? Unless you have proof that, you know, the government's racist. And I'm not talking about Trump, dude. I'm talking about institutionalized racism that's been going on for about 15, 20 years now. You know, that has nothing to do with Trump. It's like, prove it. Name name the person that's part of the institutionalized racism. You can't name one. So, you know, it's always fucking Justin people. Justin Childers. Yeah, but that guy doesn't have no pull at all. Except, you know, like fucking relatives. That's about it. <laughs> I love you, Justin. <laughs> I don't. I'm oh, come kidding. On. I'm kidding. I like Justin. I'm kidding. Have another Quaalude. She love me later. Anyway, yeah, times have changed. It's like David Lee Roth. You know, David Lee Roth can go up on stage and say all that shit in the 80s and it won't fly now. And it was the same thing with Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. Some of it worked, but most of it was like, 
man, this shit was so funny back in the day. And if he would have used this in 82, it would have been hilarious. But it's just a different time, you know? Yeah, but but I also saw it as, 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 a, as a stepping stone. Like, I would love to see him come back and, and, and try some different shit, you know? I'm where... not a fan of coming to America. I never liked that movie. When it first came out, I was like, this is bullshit. Now he's yeah, got a sequel. Yeah, I, I, I like that movie. I, I, I like that. I don't. I, I love 48 Hours. I didn't oh, like that, that, that's my favorite, 48 Hours. Yeah, I didn't like the sequel to that. I thought that was pretty bad. Yeah, uh, that, that wasn't as good. But that, that, was, that was pure Eddie Murphy because yeah. at that time he had an ego because he was the biggest star. And he wanted, he wanted Reggie's character to be more... Uh, like as equal as Nick Nolte and stuff. He just wanted to be different, and and that dynamic didn't work. You know, he needed to be the, I don't know, not 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 the lesser, but you know what I mean. He needed to be like the comic foil and not the badass. You know, you know that Eddie Murphy only auditioned once in his life uh, for Saturday Night Live. Every movie he's done, he didn't audition for. Every single movie. The only audition for Saturday Night Live. That's the only audition he's ever done. But uh, I know we might have talked about this before. I drink a lot. Did you watch uh, My Name is Dolomite? Yeah, I loved it. Yes, we did yeah. talk about it. Yeah, yeah, lo- love that. So, uh, he, you know, I, I hope the new ones, uh, the new Coming to America is good. I'm just glad that Eddie Murphy's back to doing comedy. I hope yeah. the new Netflix special is good and dirty because I love Delirious. I love Raw. Oh, so that is happening. Yeah, yeah, he is He is doing, uh, and I forget, he's getting paid like a gazillion dollars. He's going to be like the highest paid guy ever for a stand-up. But, uh, you know, he needs to return to, to Dirty Eddie Murphy. You oh, know? he will. You know he will. You know, and, and like I probably, if we talked about this, I probably brought it up, but like Dolomite's the first R-rated thing he's done since life in 1999 with Martin Lawrence. Uh, you know, I want to see him getting back to being Dirty Eddie Murphy. Fuck this goddamn, you know... Uh, nutty professor, fucking Doctor Doolittle, fucking Shrek bullshit. You know, I want, I want foul mouth Eddie Murphy back, yeah. and and I, I really think you know, like you know, with his brother dying and stuff, I, I, I kind of see that as a kick in the ass. Like, hey, life is short. You know, I gotta, you know, let me, let me get back to doing what, what people loved about me in the first place. So overall, it could have been better. Yes, did I enjoy it? Fuck yes, I enjoyed it, and. Uh, I'm, I'm just happy to have him back. But something else that came out that, that that's huge, and we're gonna do another episode that's just dedicated to this. So we're gonna we're gonna run over this real quick. But uh, both you and I saw the uh, the new Star Wars movie. I think Ian, we should do it after this review. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm game for it as long as I'm still you know halfway. Well, then let's oh, get the review. Uh, yeah, but I, I just want to say we, we did both enjoy, it, but it's it's something that's been very controversial. So uh, uh, we are we are in the minority who thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about it more later. But now it's time to get in the review, and what a legendary album this is! Thanks to Michael Lynch, we are going to review the debut album from Exodus, "Bonded by Blood." Oh, do I know the year? Oh, 1962? Yeah. 1985, bitch! Yes, sir. Oh, I know this. I also know it took years for this to be released. I know a little background on this fucking mammoth album. Um, 
in my opinion, the best debut thrash album over any of the big four debut thrash albums. Wow. Though, yeah, I say it's better than Kill 'Em All, Show No Mercy, Fistful of Metal, and Killing of My Business. And I, I love all those albums. I think this one's better. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I also think fucking violence is better than this one, too. I think that's, oh! that's the greatest uh, debut thrash album. But this one, probably number two. No, definitely number two. Uh, Bonded by Blood. I mean, I'll talk about it during the review. I, I took no notes. Um, but I did listen to it a couple days ago. I put on the vinyl. You oh, know, I, I wanted to ask you about that real quick before you get into it. Is that a, uh, is that like a 180 gram? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to get that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who put that out? Do you know? Uh, I think Metal Blade. I could be wrong. I don't remember. Uh, okay. You want me to go grab it? Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Go All grab right. it. Hold on. All right. It was put. It was. Um, Century Media. Oh, Century Media. And, and how's it sound? Oh, fucking godly, dude. Okay, it's, right on. It's, it's two vinyls. And, uh... Wow, two vinyls for this, huh? Yeah, and it brought two bonus tracks. Then there were none live and Lesson in Violence live. Right, right. That, that That's the, the one I have a copy of, but not on vinyl. Yeah, I still... I You know, I used to have... I, I've said the story many times. You know, I used to have this originally on the Torrent label. But I gave it away when I got the original Torrent CD, which I still have that, at least. But um, this is an album, dude, that, you know, I mean, it was just the right album at the right time um, for me. Um, I'll get into it more when we talk about the songs. But, you know, honestly, it's like, you know, the, the, the whole thrash movement and the whole underground movement is what I... I, you know, that's what I, I went to while everybody else was going, to, was sticking to, you know, the bands they already loved. They didn't care if they were getting all glammy and shit. And I was very upset back then. And these bands were very vital for the survival of metal, in my opinion. And, and as time has proven, and we live in a day and age where all this shit is heralded now more than it was back then. You know, people look back at Bonded by Blood and Eternal Nightmare and, you know, all these bands, Destruction, and, and all, they, they're, they're way more popular today as they were back then. I am sure if there was like, you know, some kind of way we can find out record sales, I bet you anything Bonded by Blood sold way more uh, than it did in the 80s. Um, it was uh, very underground, but, you know, we didn't know about it. And we did acquire it, but it was not good and not a good album for your Turbo fans. You know, it's like... I, I, I just looked it up in the 1980s. Uh, this album sold 42 copies. All right, there you go. It, so, it sold like in the 70s, you know, later on. I'm telling you, this album, <clears throat> it was very well respected, though, because when... Um, I remember, man, I remember seeing people with a bonnet by blood shirt back then going, where the fuck you get that, man? Oh, I saw him in California. You know, it was Larry Hard acquire 
you know, I, I, the first time I saw Exodus was right after this. I saw the Pleasure of the Flesh tour opening for Anthrax on the Among the Living tour, and opening that show was Celtic Frost with uh, Into the Pandemonium tour. You want to talk about a fucking show, you know? Wow, you saw that tour. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. It was fucking godly. And, uh, and you know, but, you know, it's still, look, I love Sousa. After all, I rip him off, right? right. But, you know, a lot of people say I, I sound like Bailoff, too, which I love that, too. I've and never heard that. I, you know what, dude? There is a demo of Paul Bailoff with Heathen. And oh, wow. It, there is one song out of, I think it's three songs, three, four songs, but there's one song you listen to. Dude, when I heard it, I was shocked. I was like, oh my God. I sound just like that. There is a song Paul Bale did with even that, dude, you got to hear it. It sounds exactly like I did. I totally ripped them off and I never heard that demo till after I started Thrash or Die. But honestly, I was shocked how much I sounded like Paul Bale out. You know, and, and that one song from the demo. I wish I could remember the name of the song now, though. But um, <clears throat> I absolutely loved. You see, I, I was very, I was very, uh, you know, like I was so intrigued by vocals that weren't the norm. That's why I love Sean Killian so much. And then when I first time I heard Paul Bailoff, it really was like I am a, I, I fucking worship this guy. Not only because of the, you know his voice, but what he was saying was so awesome. And <clears throat> this fucking album satanic as fuck too. Some of that not a lot of people talk about how satanic. Exodus oh yeah, on I, the first I, album. I I had no idea what the fuck he was saying uh, until I read the lyrics. I I really did. And then. Uh, you know, when, I, when I'm getting ready to do my notes, I was like, you know what? I'm going to read the lyrics as, as I'm listening to it. And I read the lyrics, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very satanic. Even when they sing about little fish, it's still satanic. Yeah. <clears throat> There's not a song on here that's not satanic. Right. You know? It's very, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's an album about killing. Uh, you know, everything is about murder and raping and very politically incorrect shit, you know. But it's so brutal. This album, like, when it came out back then, it was like how, how it was for Merciful Fate for me. It was like nobody knew it, and who did know it weren't getting into it, except for, you know, my hardcore buddies. And uh, it is such an epic uh, milestone of an album. And how, how did you find out about these guys? Was it was it through word of mouth or was it through magazines? Yeah, it was magazines. And uh, my um, it was um, a fucking record store, Open Books. I've talked about a million times uh, that sold imports and you know the you know the hard to find stuff. Uh, I got bonded by blood there, but I knew about it through magazines. Yes, I did read about it. It got a lot of great reviews in magazines when I would read and I was like this Exodus band and they were known then as the the band that had Kurt Hammett you know right. so so oh Kurt Hammett's from this band so I was like intrigued you know and then when I was reading the reviews they're like if you're expecting Metallica this is like Metallica at a uh like 50 times million faster you know they just said they were more brutal than Metallica they're more relentless and this and I was like I gotta hear these guys you know and uh, boy, when I first heard it, man, I mean, it was so crushing to me that when the album ended, 
I, I had to I had to play it again. You know, I was like, oh God, I gotta play this shit again. And uh, and I wore it out, man. I remember I fucked up that vinyl. When I gave that vinyl away, it was pretty scratched up. I used to have a real shitty uh, record player back then that would ruin my records. And uh, <clears throat> but it's it's an album that I absolutely worship. I was extremely disappointed with uh, Pleasure of the Flesh, and it had nothing to do with Sousa. I just thought that album was weak. Uh, it had a couple good songs, you know. I like Cage. You no, know, Cage and Hell wasn't on there, was it? No. No, Cajun Hell's on uh, Fabulous Disaster. What was the uh, What was the song on there that was a little different though? Kemi Kill, that one. Yeah, Kemi Kill. Yeah, Kemi that Kill's was a, on Pleasure Yeah, that was a little different. And I loved Brain Dead. I loved Deranged. You know, I had a couple of good songs, but I just and it wasn't Sousa. It was kind of like the music to me was not as strong as this album. I yeah. like I, I like Fabulous Disaster more. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, m- most people agree. Yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, I do have, the, I do have the original picture disc though that has the original cover. Yeah, cause that cover sucks too, you know, the fucking uh, them just sitting at a bar, you know. Right, like, but like you know, it's even worse than that though. Have you ever seen the uh, the reissue cover of Bonded by Blood? Oh, which is all like a splatter of blood. It, it, it's like, well, it, I I could see where you would think that. But it's a red and black picture of just like a, a pit, like of people in a pit. But it looks oh, horrible. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're no, right. it's horrible. And the original album cover of Bonded by Blood was really actually silhouettes of the band with, you know, I believe it was body parts. I kind of look at that again. But, you know, and it was called Lesson in Violence. Well, it was supposed to be Lesson right. in Violence, this album. Right. They changed the Bonded by Blood, which I like that more, right. you know? I like that title. I, I just love that Bonded by Blood. And the album cover is iconic. Oh, yeah. You know, with the little kids ripping each other apart. You know, one's evil, one's, I guess, good. It's just an iconic album cover. And it's very, very appealing to me, especially back then. You know, looking for the most evil, crazy shit. And, yeah. boy, I remember listening to this and hearing shit like, you know, the darkness, you know, is my home and... You know, Satan, you know, going to hell and all this shit. And, you know, I just loved it. I loved every song on here. And initially, we'll get to that song. There was a one song on here on my first listen. I was like, oh, God. And then when I heard it again, I was like, this is the best goddamn song on here. Well, I changed my mind now. Though, I can't say there's one thing I dislike, one song I dislike off this album. But there's one little tiny element that I could, that I was kind of like, and I still am to this day going, ah, I, I don't understand why this is here. I guess it's kind of like a comedy effect, I guess. I don't know. But we'll get to that when we get to the song. I'll explain what, what it is. But it's not it's not a big deal. I'm very nitpicking here because every single song on this album is so cutthroat and amazing that uh, that's why I put it as the greatest thrash debut album at that time, you know. Oh, well, how, how about you? Um, well, Exodus was a band that I knew, you know, through magazines. Um, and I always loved the cover to this album. I thought it was amazing because it's like, you know, it's almost like the born again, but even eviler, you know, yeah, good if point. that's a word, <laughs> you, you know. That's a great point. Uh, great iconic album cover. You know, the kind of album cover, you know, especially, you know, 
as a young kid made you want to buy an album when album, album covers meant something. And I always loved the logo for Exodus. The way they drew that, I just thought, wow, what a great logo, what a great album cover. But uh, I, I remember looking at it at the record store, and I've, I've talked about this many times on the, on the show. I would, I would be the guy, I would sit there, I'd pick it up, I'd look at it. What label is it on? Never heard of this. Never seen a video for it. Must be bad. Must be bad. I've, I've never heard of this stuff. So uh, I would set it back down, afraid to take a chance on it. First time I ever heard Exodus was when I saw the video for Toxic Waltz. And at the time, you know, I was still like, you know, I was getting into Thrash. I already, you know, I was already into Metallica, uh, Megadeth, you know, the big four. Well, actually, I would say, at that time, I was still like, eh, on Slayer, who's, you know, my favorite Thrash fan now. But, uh... But back then, uh, you know, I was like, eh. I saw the video for Toxic Waltz, and I just thought it was too goofy. I, I thought, like, yeah, this is comedy metal. This is a funny song. Uh, and, and, and Susan's voice, I didn't get at the time. I was just like, eh. So I put Exodus on the back burner for years. For years. Um, but, uh... You know, I always knew they were held in such high esteem, and, and this album in particular. And I always read that, okay, it's a different singer. Uh, you know, it's not the guy that did the comedy Toxic Waltz song, but still never went back and checked it out, but they were always on my bucket list. Like, eh, maybe one of these days I'm going to give Exodus a, a chance. And when I really, really gave them a chance was when they got back with Sousa, when Temple Dam came down. And a buddy who was my roommate at the time, he was a big Exodus fan from back in the day. Uh, he was raving about it. And, you know, by this point, you know, I'm full-blown into, like, you know, heavy, heavy fucking metal. And I checked it out, and I loved it. And I loved later-era Anthrax, I mean, Anthrax, uh, Exodus. Uh, even, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Rob Dukes era that a lot of people don't like. I, I thought it was great. But I've always thought that... Like, like, to me, Exodus is all about the guitars and the drumming. Uh, the singers, not one of the singers that they had did I ever think, like, stood out. I always thought it, that was like a negative holding the band back. But man, the guitars and the drumming. Uh, uh, getting ready to review this, I don't think I've ever, ever in the history of this show listened to an album more getting ready for the review than I did this in the last, like, two and a half, three weeks that we talked about doing this uh, episode, I would say 98% of what I've listened to in the last three weeks has been bonded by blood. I mean, just fucking blown away. And, spoiler alert, I like every song in this album. I don't think there's one bad song. There's some that I like more than others. Uh... But holy shit, this is an album. You want to talk about kicking yourself in the ass. I put this up there with, uh, the, the, in my opinion, one of the best albums we reviewed was that Angel Dust album we did. That unfortunately, you know, I could tell by the numbers, not enough people checked it out. Go back and check that shit out. Trust us, that Angel Dust album is awesome. And this is one, I know probably a lot of our listeners are 
like you, Ralph. They've been listening to this shit for years. I haven't, but I'm telling people. If you haven't already, check this out. We're getting ready to review a doozy of a fucking album. That's for goddamn shit. Yeah, they've made some great albums, but I don't think none match the greatness of Bonded by Blonde. They, they just really blew their load on this. Yeah, uh, l- let me ask you there. As, as a whole, I mean, since this has come out, uh, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, they should be in the big four and stuff like that. Uh, how, how would you con- critique their output, you know, post-Bonded by Blood? And, you know, have you always stayed with them, checking out their albums? And what do you think of, you know, their legacy after this? Well... I bought everything. I, I own the whole discography. I have every Exodus release. Um, but some, you know, some are hit and miss. I mean, some are good and some are not so good. And shit, thinking about it, there uh, I might have brought this up in a past episode, but maybe some of you didn't catch it. But my pick of the week is a future Exodus album. I just thought of that right now. I want to make that my pick of the week because it's an album that I didn't care for. And I recently, you know, checked it out again. And oh my God, the riffs on that album are just phenomenal. Oh my God. I still don't think it's like, oh, this is a, you know, I don't even think, I wouldn't even say it's their second best album. But I'd give that to Tempo of the Dam because that album blew my Oh, oh, hell yeah. That to me is the best one with Susan. And, uh, you know, that album, like, Wow, that's my second favorite right there. I agree with you there. You know, and, and uh, Fabulous Disaster would be my third favorite. Maybe my fourth favorite is the pick of the week, and we'll get to that when we oh, get to that. Interesting. But, but <clears throat> Exodus has always been um, a consistent band as far as keeping it fucking brutal. I own an Exodus shirt that says uh, four albums and still no fucking ballads. Um, I love that shirt. And... Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I like their integrity. I like how they kept true to the thrash. They did take a, a little turn on a Force of Habit, which I like that album. And I think that album is unfairly judged as a non-thrash album because when it rains, it pours, and feeding time at the zoo. There's like six, seven fucking thrashy tunes on that album. Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of that album. The bass player is a cocksucker, but I, I love the album. Yeah. And um, so, but you know what? Uh, I never missed them. I've seen every tour, even with Rob Dukes. And um, and I like the Rob Dukes album, especially that Exhibit A, was it called? Yeah, there's Exhibit A and Exhibit B. I thought that was better than Kill Shovel Machine, whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought that was the best one with Rob Dukes. But, <clears throat> and they were always good live. I, I, I always caught them. And uh, they deliver, man. And... One of the nicest people you can ever meet is Steve Souza. What yeah. a nice guy to meet. I mean, he's very, very nice to the fans, and he's awesome and shit, even though I'm a, I'm a bail-off guy, you know, but <clears throat> he's fucking awesome. He's a really cool dude, very talkative. He likes yeah. to talk a lot, you know? Well, he, he, he seems to really, he loves metal, and he loves thrash, and, yeah. and, and loves the fans. He always gives off a good vibe. He's a good frontman. I think he's a very good frontman. Excellent front man. And, uh, you know, he works hard. He works hard at what he does. So did Rob Dukes, actually. He was a very good front yeah. man. I, I heard Battery. I wanted to see him. They came through here with, with uh, 
with Rob Dukes, and they played at one on Jacks, which we talked about earlier. Uh, but I think it was on a school night, and I didn't go. And I saw a lot of negative reviews online about that show. Uh, Probably an off night. Well, well, no, I mean, I mean, people were complimentary of the band, but it was just, it, it seemed like it was just Duke's hatred. Yeah, a and, lot of people did not like him. Yeah, and and uh, and it seemed to me like, uh, you know, he might be a singer that just polarized people, like you just couldn't accept them without bail offers. Yeah, people. yeah. Because uh, to, to me, to my ears, you know, what, what the albums I listened to with Dukes, I was like, well, man, this... This sounds like fucking Exodus. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very thrashy and heavy and fat. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with Rob Dukes vocally. But, he was uh, also very nice when I met him. Well, you know, we, we can get into that later. But, yeah, all the pe- all the comments, the, the anti-comments about the show were, were all aimed at Dukes. You know, none of it was, like, the music or anything. So uh, it might be one of those instances where, you know, it's one of those bands where some people just won't accept a different singer. Yeah, no, it's definitely that. I mean, it doesn't matter if it was Rob Dukes or anybody else. You know, if you bring in a no name, uh, they're going to get shit, you know? So, you know, uh, like a, look at John Karabi, you know, I can right. name a million singers that, you know, if you're a band and you hire somebody that nobody knows uh, to front your band, it's going to be an uphill struggle. You well, know? I, I think it has to do with with how much the band means to you because okay like like Van Halen you know my favorite American band of all time I will never accept anybody other than David Lee Roth right but a band like Exodus I'm a fan but yet yet a casual fan so if they make a change I don't take it as personal I, I listen to it like open minded hey does the band still sound like the band you know or, or did they they do a 180? You know, so I'm very open to different singers in Exodus because I don't have that preconceived notion or that 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 uber fandom that I have with Van Halen. Now, you know, I honestly believe, you know, in Van Halen's case, you know, with the the two other singers, the the music was night and day different. Yeah, yeah, um, and we're unlike Exodus. Yeah, yeah, where where Exodus stayed true. I mean, you do have a different voice, but musically, it's it's still thrash metal. Yeah. You know, they, they, they never change that. Uh, you know, and maybe some vocals work different. But, but I have an open mind when it comes to different eras because, again, they're not my favorite band of all time. But, uh, I mean, I mean, as long as it's fucking good metal, I'm happy, you know. Yeah, and this is good metal we're about to talk about. Why don't Ooh. you take the first track? All right, the very first track, Bonded by Blood. Holy shit. Now, this is the one... Uh, that I knew ahead of time going into this album. Uh, I'd already heard this, and I don't know how. <laughs> you know, because it was never a video. It must have been me looking it up on fucking uh, uh, on YouTube or, or a friend playing it. But th- this is the one I knew. And, I mean, this is an all-time thrash metal fucking anthem. Holy shit. And it, uh, it showcases what I mentioned earlier, I think is the true, uh, you know, calling card of Exodus, which is those amazing twin guitars and the drumming of, uh, of Tom, uh, hunting the, the H team. Yeah. The, the, the H team and Tom hunting. I was like, wow. And that's something, you know, like, uh, the, the guitar is already new, 
You know, I already knew, like, e- even when I wasn't that big on uh, Toxic Waltz, I was like, man, those, those riffs and those guitars are awesome. You still, you still don't like Toxic Waltz? No, I love it now. Yeah, I like I, that I, 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 Oh, I, I love it now. But at the time, you know, I was, I was very limited in, like, thrash that I accepted, you know, because I'm coming from, from cock rock into thrash you know so it was a progression you know like i've often talked about i couldn't stand slayer the first time i heard him i couldn't stand overkill you know uh metallica you know i kind of got right away megadeth and anthrax were easier to digest uh but uh you know my biggest problem with thrash when i was younger was the vocals and the drumming the drumming was just so extreme i was like it doesn't sound right you know and then you hear like a singer that's not like what you would consider a real singer, you know. It was either screaming or it was so different, you know. It took me a while to digest that shit. I was a young kid, you know. And 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 raised on classic rock, rock uh, the classic rock and pop music where you had strong vocalists, you know, traditional like what you would consider a good voice. So it took me a while to get into thrash. Uh but god damn, this song, holy shit. But yeah, uh, getting back to Tom Huntington's drums, it's one of those things that took me a while to get into. Like, I heard all this praise about Tom's drumming, and I didn't get it at first. But after listening to this album, like, I realized, like, wow. You know, this guy should get mentioned like Lombardo gets mentioned. You know, like Gar Samuelson gets mentioned. I mean, he had a very unique, awesome fucking sound. Uh, but this is one like even even I can see like if you're not a huge Exodus fan you have to love and respect this track I mean it's just thrash metal through and through I, I can't see anybody who, who says they love thrash to not love Bonded by Blood lyrically, musically uh, amazing and, and lyrics I think are, are, are pretty much a weak point on this album you know, you brought their say I, I mean, some of it to me is is, is comic book like bad, but the music is so good. You know, it's who gives a fuck about the lyrics? You know, it, it sounds like it was written by kids in their early twenties. You know, if I wrote lyrics in my twenties, it, it'd probably be some stupid shit like this. But this one is just like, you know, it speaks to the audience. You know, the the feeling of a thrash show that was so much different than any other metal show at that. You know. People weren't beating the shit out of each other at a Judas Priest show back then, but at an Exodus show, you guarantee goddamn tea somebody was fucking bleeding and there was blood upon the stage. You know, it's perfect. I fucking can't say enough good about the title track. What do you think? Oh hell yeah, and I love these lyrics, man. Um, we're just from a different time, dude. Uh, what, what, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, these lyrics, I, I, I think. Are, are great, you know, because this, this, is, this is more about the metal community where I, I think some of the other lyrics are, they just get so satanic. It's yeah, border, that's what it's, I... It, it's, it's borderline goofy. Like, well, like That's how, what like, I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the lyrics on this album I love. Okay. Okay. I love, you know, because it's music, man. It's not supposed to be fucking Bob Dylan and shit. And no, I, 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 I think those lyrics are perfect for this type of music, you know? I, I, get, I get that, but I, I just find them a little bit like it kind of reminds me of the lyrics on uh, Black Sabbath, Headless Cross. It's like, you don't even need to go there lyrically. You're already there musically. Try to be a little bit more... It, it's too, like, like like an episode of Tales from the Crypt, you know, written by a teenager. 
But but this this song to me is the most different of the lyrics because this is just talking about the audience, where a lot of other shit just goes into the Satan shit. You know, this this to me just describes what a thrash metal show was in this day and age. Right, and it's also about what they would do back then. They would cut their palms, and uh, you know, and and shake each other's hands. Uh, I know Dave Mustaine was one of the people that did that. You know, everybody in Exodus would cut themselves and. You know, and you know, sm- smother each other's hands together, and that's what bonded by blood means. You know, and and uh, yeah, bang your head against the stage and shit like that. But um, yeah, it's it's fucking awesome, dude. The way it starts with like the, you know, it's kind of like the air force of brutality overhead to warn you that you know, incoming rips are like razors flying at you, slicing you into fucking pieces. Then Paul Bailoff comes in and. You know, drop kicks you in the fucking head with his insane vocals. You know, and that like bang your head against the stage. You know, and bang, no, my favorite line is bang your head as if from the dead. Intense metal is all that you need. I never forget the first time I heard that song and I heard that line. Intense metal is all that you need. Not it. It was almost brainwashing. It's like I'm already going this route. I'm already abandoning. You know, ultimate sin. Turbo, somewhere in time. I want something to fucking kick my ass, you know? I, I this shit's too fucking sugar coated for me. And there, uh, he come said on, it. This, this came out a year before those albums. <laughs> no, but you got to remember, '85, <clears throat> it was already going that way because Motley Crue already planted the seed with Theater Pain. Right. Uh, you had, you know, uh, Theater Pain. Um, even though I didn't hate the whole thing, but I wasn't too crazy about. Um, invasion of your privacy, you know, uh, black and blue. I loved the first album. The second one was very soft, but it seemed like you know the bands that came out around '84 were already like changing, and then the year after was the bigger bands, you know, the Ozzy Priest Maiden. But still, you know, intense metal is all you need. It's like yes, enough of this fucking, you know, smoking in the boys' room bullshit. You know, this is what I'm talking about. You know. <clears throat> And, you know, this guy, Paul Bailoff, you know, he lived it, man. He breathed it. Yeah, he had yeah. no time for pansy-ass poser bitches, you know? And and he was just he was just a fucking metalhead through and through. And that's what I love about the guy is that he knew and he proved that, look, I am not going to go up here and fucking sing a song for you. I'm going to be Paul Bailoff because that's what I am. And those vocals on here, which I'm surprised you like, because this shit's like fucking Sean Killian different type shit, you know? <clears throat> it's well, very, it's we very. Have, we, we haven't got into that yet. We will. All right. Well, all, all I can say, this guy's vocals are godly because they're so different. You know, they're not the norm, and I love that. I love when when bands come out and they do something different vocally. It always gives me a charge when you know, especially like this, because I think. These vocals are so perfect for this music that that's why I don't think anybody can replace Paul Bailoff. They made some great music afterwards, but I don't think Sousa, Dukes, or even me can get behind the mic of uh, and and match the same velocity that Paul Bailoff brought to this music because he made it even sicker than what it was. You know, <clears throat> I love him and uh, and this song, this song fucking owns, man. You know, this is, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm telling you, man, it, it crushes the debut albums of the big four. 
had to offer. This song alone does it. But this is just the beginning of the thrash assault. You know, then it goes into the next song, Exodus. <clears throat> a song, uh, you know, this song, Paul Bailoff is screaming his ass off, keeping it fucking as thrashy as Bonnet by Blood. And, you know, go, a song about coming to your town and killing all posers and raping and kill, murdering your wife, you know, when they move to, on to the next town for the next slaughter, continuing the relentless metallic assault. Tom Hunton in this song is a complete savage, like he is on the on the rest of the album. But boy, on this song, holy fuck! And you know, <clears throat> and uh, then you know, you got the fucking masters. These guys are masters of thrash riffs. You know, this H team man, and you know, and you have Bailoff leading the charge to put the stamp of this thrash like no other band at that time. This is pure fucking adrenaline from start to finish. The Exodus attack. Love it. What do you think? Oh my God, do I fucking love this song. It, it tied for my favorite song on the album. Uh, God damn, is this shit good. Uh, as good as anything the Big Four did, this song. Uh, I mean, just absolutely amazing. Uh, what I will say, though... Uh, I do think Bailoff, who is very important to this album, with his attitude, uh, I do think his vocals and the production are the, are the weak points on this album. I think this is one of the worst sounding. Motherfucker, albums. you are the weak point of this podcast. Yeah, and you point you point that out every week. Uh, I, it's funny. I, I saw this uh, post that somebody put on on a podcast, like it's a Facebook page. Uh, like, you know, what what's one small thing you could do to make your podcast better? And I I, I put uh, somebody asked my co-host the same question, and he said for Ian to quit. Hey, <laughs> I'm Mills funny. That that's like comedy. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> because you fucking rule, my friend. Even with your <laughs> shitty musical taste, I love you and you can stay here. And you know, hey, you, you bring you know, you bring the yin to the yang. I talk about the brutality and the greatness of the thrash and the organic nature, and you bring up the fact that it's not slick brick. Right. Um but I I got I gotta say, even though I, I think Bailoff is, is the weak point and I understand uh, why they replaced them, uh, and, and, and the recording of this. I mean, this seriously sounds like it was recorded in the storage shed uh, by the night manager at fucking Radio Shack. I, I love the sound of this album, dude. Uh, and, uh, I love it. It adds uh, an extra... Well, I, I, I think what gets me with this is, you know, to my ears, punk music can sound like this. Uh, because... Because the musicianship, by and large, is very limited. But a thrash band, you have to be an incredible player to play thrash. You know, you can't be a half-assed guitar player and play thrash. You can't get away with it like you can in punk, where you could just learn a couple of fucking, you know, uh, Johnny Ramone chords, and, and, and that's all you need. With thrash, you have to be, you know, technically amazing, and I think the the sound should be there. Like, I'm listening to this album, and I'm, I'm hearing all these riffs, but poorly recorded. And I'm thinking to myself, like, God damn, if these motherfuckers had, like, 
Chuck Billy on vocals and Fleming Rasmussen producing, I think this album would be even more, you know, heralded and respected than it is. And it already has respect. It doesn't need, you know, my approval or respect. You know, it it already has all that shit. But I'm listening to it and I'm hearing, like, what could have been. And I know Gary Holt agrees with me on this. Uh, but it's amazing. But I will, what I will say about Bailoff is on repeated listenings, I accepted it a lot more and a lot more. And maybe this will give you hope. Maybe someday even Sean Killian I might come around to. No, you're too uh, gay. Yeah. Yeah, I, am, I, I do love the cock. Okay, uh, bye. Okay, bye. Uh, but I can see why they went a different route than Bailoff. But Bailoff's attitude, you know, especially like like if you watch the documentary Get Thrashed, and, and you know, which I've watched a gazillion times, you realize what a special individual he was. And how... there's where you heard Bonnet by Bloody. And no, I know I, I heard it before that. Okay, I'm just uh, saying I, they do yeah. they do play that song. Oh, right? oh yeah, but I, I mean I already knew it before that, but. I mean, it just shows you what a special individual he was and how metal that motherfucker was. Uh, and his attitude, you know, more than made up for what he didn't have vocally. But it does it does work for this, you know? And the funny thing is, after listening to this album, I, I mean, I probably listened to this 30 fucking times. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, God, these vocals... But it really did grow on me, and he was the right guy for this album. And his attitude overcomes his limitations. Uh, but this song, Exodus Attack, I mean, god damn, is this fucking good. Like I said, I put this up against any of the, any of the big four. You know, to come up with this song is as incredible as this. The Exodus Attack, so fucking metal. You just so reminded me. Awesome. You just reminded me of something I hated from Rob Dukes. The oh, fucking yeah? uh, re-recording of this album was terrible. And that was better production. And it's just and it wasn't even Rob Dukes voice. I even thought like, you know, cleaning this shit up like took a lot away from this. Well, I, I, I you know, you know what it is? Um I think what happened was, you know, you're too used to good production and slick and shit like that where uh, back then, I was getting like you know the imports, uh, the shit that sounds like demos and and right. you know show no mercy and and shit like that that were like poor productions that were that to me enhanced the sound of it. I just love the fact it's just more appealing to me right. how th- this shit sounds. You know that when they well, cleaned it up, it kind of ruined it for me. Well, this shit's I, not supposed to be shimmering. Again, you know maybe it's timeline because you know Definitely when I got timeline. When I when I got into thrash, you know, of, of course it was the big four, but those bands all had amazing production at that point. You know, like I, Show I, No Mercy didn't sound that great. Well, well, no, but it took me a long time to get into Show No Mercy. You know, I, I mean, I fell in love with, with with Slayer, you know, during the Rick Rubin era. You know, but I mean, you had you had Rick Rubin, you had you had Fleming Rasmussen, you had Randy Burns. You know, with Megadeth, uh, you know, you know, with Anthrax, you had Eric Perialis. You know, you you had some amazing producers who made those guitars sound so crisp and clean, but yet dirty and nasty at the same time. I mean, I, I to me, like, 
the musicianship is at such a high level, it deserves. It does. It. I. I don't want Bob Rock. I don't want you know Brian, Bruce Fairburn, like like fucking pledge clean fucking bullshit. But I do want to hear like certain shit in the left channel, certain shit in the right channel. I want to hear clarity on the guitars because the musicianship is incredible, and 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 this just sounds like a fucking demo to me. But the songs are there. The songs are fucking there, and that shows you how great it is. It it, it overcomes the production. But as I'm listening to this, I'm just thinking what could have been with, with a proper producer. This was produced by their manager. And, yeah, thank God. And, 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 and I don't think he produced any other records. I know he produced the drum tracks for uh, Pleasures of the Flesh, but they didn't use them for the rest of the album. And, uh, and uh, Gary Holt's whole reason for re-recording this album was he wanted to hear it with good production. And it sucked. And I, I'll get it. I'll, I'm saving my review for that later. But uh, oh boy, I'm shocked that it won't be what I expect you to say. Yeah. But uh, terrible. But it, what was it called again? What was that one called? Uh, Let there be blood. Yeah. yeah fucking horrible. Uh, but like, like I said, I you know I'm I'm, I'm kind of nitpicking here just because. These songs are so fucking good. I, I just see what could be. But, you know, th- th- this is me like somebody that, that's relatively new to this shit. You know, I never listened to this album in its entirety before I knew we were going to review this. You, you know? know, the Stooges would have sounded much better if they had a better production. Oh, the Stooges actually had good production. No, uh, it was kind of weak. Okay. Well, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the guy. I have no ear for production. You're just saying what you like or what you don't like. <laughs> you already no, no. I, I I can tell you, there's no slickness. Look, I don't know. All the drums are too low in the mix, and this and that. When you say that, not only you, Ian, the rest of the world. I understand. I am very, very. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't get it when I hear shit like that. You know, it's like sounds good to me. Born Again is a terrible production. Even the members of Box Habit, it's terrible production. I don't hear it. I think Born Again oh. sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I, I'll agree there. I think the production on Born Again is terrible, but the songs are so good it overcomes it. I, yeah. I, feel, I feel the same way about Hotter Than Hell. Hotter oh. Than Hell. Hotter Than Hell, I can tell you. I yeah. know that sounds like it's recorded in a tunnel, but yeah. it adds charm to it. I like yeah. it because it but sounds like that. The, the songs are so perfect on Hotter Than Hell, it, it overcomes it. The I same- think... I think if Dress to Kill was recorded like Hotter Than Hell, I'd hate Dress to Kill. Because Dress to Kill is more of a slick, uh, songs that deserve more of a slick production. Where Hotter Than Hell with Watching You, Parasite, Strange Ways, it, to me, it, 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 it enhances how much I love it because of that weird but, production, you know? Yeah, but, but Kiss never had slick production until fucking Destroyer. I, I mean, I mean, no, I mean but, but come on, you're going to compare... You're gonna tell me uh, "Dress to Kill" is not night and day versus oh, fucking oh, 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 no. hell? It's different, but it's still it, it's still a very dry sounding. It's record. slicker though, way slicker than uh, fucking. Uh, I, I I think the songs are slicker, but the production I mean. the production to me is still very dry. But it's, it's not dry like hotter than hell. No, not no, even, not even the first album, which was produced by the same people. Wasn't as you know fucking right like as badly produces uh right well that's the thing they spent ten bucks on producing the first Kiss album 
and it didn't sell, so they spent five on the next one. Yeah, you know? basically, yeah. But, uh... But enough about that shitty. Band. I love bad production. In other words, it, it, to me, it makes this music better. Well, well, I, I, I think you ha- you have ears that uh, surpass production. You you you, and and that's almost a blessing in a way because it is a blessing. You, you just hear straight up the song. Yeah. You you, you know and, and and you either feel it or you don't. And and there's shit I hear. It's like I still feel it, but I'm just like. Oh God! But what could have been? And I, I think these songs are so good. You know, I, I think Exodus deserved better than what they got out of this production because these are amazing, great technical. I mean, just incredible shit. That you know, I, I know this song is considered a classic, but I don't think it gets enough praise. This shit is fucking amazing. This is this is one of the best finds that I've ever got out of this show. And I put it up there with that goddamn Angel Dust album. This, this is one of the best albums. Like, goddamn, why did I keep putting this? Like, ah, I'll check it out later. I'll check it out later. I cannot stop listening to this fucking album. It is so fucking good. It is so fucking good. But I still know it could have been better. But uh, I'll, 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 I'll take the next song, which... Uh, uh, this one is tied with the previous song for my favorite on the fucking album. Holy shit, do I love And Then There Were None. Wow. And I even love that they throw in, you know, you know what I always make fun of, and, and I, I call the Twisted Sister vocal with the gang vocals, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I love that. Oh, I do too. I, I love it, it so it, much. It fits the song perfect, and but it's all about the rip to this fucking song. That is so fucking killer. And I mean, like, God damn, these three, I mean, you go from Bonded by Blood to Exodus, and then there were none. Holy, and we still got a lot of, like, thrasher pieces coming up. But holy shit. And then there were none. Oh, my God. Seriously, I would have to flip a coin uh, like you do on your record reviews. To, to say what's better, this or Exodus. I, I mean, because they couldn't be more night and day, but they couldn't be more awesome at the same time. Holy shit. Like, like right now, just talking about it, because I'm, I'm hearing this song in my fucking head. I don't know. I, I might lean towards it, and then there were none as my favorite on this album. Fucking incredible. What do you think? Yeah, this is as commercial as this maniacs can get. Uh, nuclear Holocaust song, and you know, back then we had it hanging over our head, you know, with the world powers, you know, not liking each other, and with the missiles pointing at us, and you know, Reagan doing the Star Wars, and this guy getting, you know, Russia being pissed off, and we were shaking in our boots, you know, you know, that's what they taught us in school. It might happen, kids. We'd have drills and shit, you know, and it was very possible back then for this to happen, so you know, and uh. No song, you know, to me, uh, depicts the nuclear holocaust threat more. And believe me, there's many. But more than then, there were none. No, this one is perfect. I love the sound effects of the bomb going off before the massive H-team riffage. And before they blast off in that, you know, full gear solo. You know, it's just fucking... I love that. Oh, I love Paul Bela's fucking delivery on this. And, you know, and of course, you know, it's about nuclear war, but it's also about 
Satan waiting for us when that shit lands. You know, and it's like, it's almost like, you know, the beginning is the warning of what's to come. Then it goes into the whole, the aftermath of, of you know, the, the nuclear war. And uh, and it's just, I mean, I love, you know, it's mid-tempo and shit. You know, it's different than the tracks before it and many tracks to come. Um, but at the end, it, it you, you can, it's just as fast as Exodus bonded by blood and anything else on this album it doesn't stick to mid-tempo all the way through it's a fucking crushing song and the way it ends you know with the with the guitar solo craziness and then it just brings almost like an abrupt ending you know it just brings this fucking classic to a crushing end and it's one of my favorites but we haven't got to my favorite song yet but i'll go to the next one called a lesson in violence oh boy boy yeah Class is in session. It's time for Professor Bailoff to teach you pansy motherfuckers, you know? And, and I love, like, these lyrics. He's guarded by Satan, and he's riding a Baphomet. <laughs> to oh. me, that's godly. I Baph- love that shit. Baph- Baphomet's sake. Hell yeah. I love it. You know, and the power of this song is off the charts. How it steamrolls wherever the fuck it wants. Rails or no rails. This song is coming to crush your ass. I love it. You learn a lesson in violence. Get on your knees and bow and learn your lesson in violence. That fucking riffage on this. I mean, the riffage on all these songs. I mean, these guys are fucking underrated. They're almost like the Tony Iommi's of thrash, these guys, because they just have this crushing, driving riffage going throughout this whole fucking album. That is just fucking, wow. How'd they come up with, wow, these guys just have too many fucking riffs that are fucking priceless like Tony Iommi. I love it. Lesson in Violence owns another one. One of the standout tracks on here. Probably my third favorite, probably. What do you think? I mean, how do you how do you follow up with like the first three songs are like 10 of 10s? You follow it up with another fucking song that's a 10 of 10. Holy shit, to me, this is like Metallica on steroids. Uh, absolutely perfect fucking track. And, it, you know, it makes me kind of wonder because, you know, Exodus was around for a long time before this came out, of course. You know, it was recorded in 84 because of all this drama bullshit. It didn't come out to 85. Uh but you know Metallica, you know, you know, and, and all these other bands they talk about here in Exodus, like, oh wow, we need to step up our game. You know, look at Exodus. Slayer, Slayer yeah. was. Have yeah. you heard early Slayer, Ice Titans, and shit like that? Yeah, yeah. They saw they saw Exodus and said, we gotta yeah. be more like that. Oh yeah, well, Kerry King even says that and 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 uh, get thrashed, you know. But it, but it makes me wonder. It's like, fuck, did did Metallica influence them or did they influence Metallica? Because I hear, I hear a lot of, uh, you know, on a lesson of violence, I hear a lot of like kill them all. Well, not you know what the proof is in the timeline because uh, Metallica was an LA band. They didn't even know Exodus when they wrote Hit, Hit, Hit the Lights, and right. that was very thrashy. And you know, and, and also like the Rob McGovney years, the 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 No Life to Leather. Yeah, you know, I don't think uh, really. Well, well, but, but, but I mean, Exodus started in 1979. I but mean, did course, Metallica know them back then? I'm not sure about that. No, 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 no. But what, what I'm saying, though, is that they both played the Bay Area before they recorded. 
You know, did now they I, play the Bay Area with uh, Ron McGovney though? I don't. I, I, think so. I, I don't. I don't think with Ron McGovney. I don't no, think so. and that's where I think they discovered Exodus. I think I'm not sure about this, but I know that it was because of Cliff Burton playing the country club that they said we need to get this motherfucker. And Cliff Burton goes, unless you join, unless you go to San Francisco, I ain't joining you guys. So right. I don't think I could be wrong though, but I don't think Metallica ever played. Um, you know, up in San Francisco with uh, McGovney, but I could be right. right. No, but what, what I'm getting at though is they both played you know, the Bay Area before they recorded an album. Yeah, and they were they were both around the same time. And what, what I'm saying though is, uh, you know, the, the, this sound is, is amazing, and, and who influenced who? I mean, it doesn't matter because, I mean, both killer bands, you know, in this era, and. Uh, but I mean, I do hear some kill 'em all in this, but but again, it's just taken up a notch more. I fucking love a lesson in violence. I mean, goddamn, it's amazing. But uh, the next song is, is 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 this where it starts to take a dip? You know, is this where it starts to show you know a little crack in the armor? Fuck no! It's a metal command. Holy shit! This motherfucker is metal to the core. I love the goddamn solo on this. This song is so fucking metal. Hey, Man of War wishes they were this fucking metal. Oh, uh, here we go. A little personal dig at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While they're yeah. prancing hey, around, we can't, we can't, we can't go through an episode without you referencing a band I love with a little jab. And you, you call me a bitch when I fucking slam one of your poser bands on on the fucking page. But yet every fucking episode, you have to throw a little dig at me. Are you finished? No, I really don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't care that you you're, you're doing it. I just bring this up because you bitch like a little girl when I do it to you. You want? You should go back to that episode saying, "Man, you were such a bitch with James." I'm like, motherfucker, you're a bitch every goddamn episode. So now I am ready for you, Ian. Every time you do this, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, well, I, I, I'm doing it on air. I'm not making eight posts about it. No, yeah. It no, I like to post about it. <laughs> I don't do it on every fucking episode. But holy shit, is this fucking metal. God damn, I love this shit. Uh, Just so you know, Manowar is writing lyrics like this before Exodus. Thank you. Yeah, but Man of War is like, we're on the battlefield. I pull That's out right. my sword, you love pull it. out your sword, and then we rub swords together. Yeah, I love that eccentric uh, shit. Well, my, 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 whole, my whole thing about Man of War... Uh, Man of War is goofy as fuck. I know it. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's like they, they don't get the joke, though. You know, to me, no, they're, like, not. No. they're like they're like Steel Panther. At least Steel Panther knows they're a joke where Man of War like, acts like this shit's real like yeah. and I love act. that I love that shit it's metal man it's, it's hey, a hey, 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 I do like some Man of War songs I ain't gonna lie I ain't gonna lie but overall as a concept and a band and they're, they're full blown assholes yeah they're that's full, true but that has nothing to do with music for me they're full blown assholes every but, band hey, Eddie Van Halen's an asshole that's, 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 that's true but at least he knows he's an asshole uh, oh I think they know they're assholes yeah, but uh, Metal Command. 
holy fucking shit is this good, dude. And it is fucking metal. You know, the music I hate. Uh, yeah. Oh, this shit is so, so fucking good. And good it, acting, it, Ian. And it, yeah, you like that? You like that? Yeah, great acting. That's De Niro. That's, shit. Yeah, I know. Check out, I, check out Ian's uh, De Niro performance of being into metal. I, I, I think I'm going to lose to Timothy Hutton and Ordinary People. But, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Your references are gold. Thank you. You bring up, like, the most obscure <laughs> shit nobody remembers. As long as you get it. Yeah, no, I love when you talk about pop culture of my era. <laughs> nobody knows. Everybody's too busy with Jersey Shore and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If people don't remember, like, Ordinary People was this, like, melodramatic, you know, piece of shit when Raging Bull should have been Best Picture. Oh, uh, my God. I didn't even know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ordinary People beat Raging Bull for Best Picture. Oh, that's the Oscars. What do you expect? Exactly. I remember fucking uh, the Rocky thing, you know, because that guy died. He won uh, Best Actor. Right. Right, but uh, but Rocky still won Best Picture. Yeah, but you know what? If they could have, they could have had a crystal ball and see like you know, uh, uh, Cobra and shit like that. They wouldn't have given it to Rocky. No way, because Sylvester Stallone ended up being a joke in the Hollywood community as a bad actor. Where actually he's a really good actor. We we have differences of opinion because I I think Network should have got Best Picture, but Rocky got it. You know, but I ain't hating. I like I like I like. I, I, I like Rocky, but uh, to me, it, it, it's not best picture quality, but it's a good movie. It's the best fucking movie of that year. Get up, you bum. Get yeah, up. Mickey should have won a fucking Oscar, too. Mickey wants to stick his dicky in you. <laughs> Get up, Rocky. Rambo loves you. <laughs> you know, you know who should have won an Oscar for motherfucking Rocky? Is Paul Young. Paul Young. Who's Paul? Yeah, that's the guy that played, um... Or, uh, what's his name? No, what? yeah, the guy that played, uh... uh Polly. Yeah, Polly. He was awesome. What's his Bert, name? Burt Young. Burt Young. Burt Young. Yeah, he, he was should, awesome. He should have won Best Supporting Actor. Ah, fucking turkey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw that shit out. Yeah, I love that motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, where, where were we? Fucking Metal Command? Metal yeah. Metal Command kicks fucking ass, dude. And and this kind of... And, and it's funny because they sound nothing alike. Nothing alike. But this almost reminds me of something off the first Wasp album. Because it's just so metal. You know? And, and it's different types of metal. You know, there's like, you know, cock rock metal, traditional metal, there's thrash metal. But, but sometimes it's just like... Sound-wise and lyric-wise, just something that's just like so fucking metal, and that's this, dude. I fucking love this one. Puts a smile on my face, and goddamn, I mean, here we are. Five songs in. There's nine songs. Five songs in. So far, I give every one of these songs a ten of fucking ten. Metal Command fucking rules. Fucking rules, and uh. I would love to go back and see the set list of when I saw them, because I only saw Exodus once, and I, in a way, I feel like I never saw them, and I, that's terrible, because they were awesome. They were great, but Gary Holt wasn't with them. I saw them when they were opening up for King Diamond on the Abigail tour, uh, and they were fucking killer. They were killer, but it's like, 
I didn't know these songs back then, other than Bottom of My Blood. I, I of course I knew. But it's like fuck. So I did good. get to see Bailoff once. Uh, uh, when he reunited. The Thrash Titans thing? No. Yeah, oh yeah, I saw him twice. What am I talking about? No, okay. I they came to Florida on the Another Lesson in Violence tour. Okay, and cool. Bailiff had a broken foot. He did the whole show on stage on a stool. And he was fucking incredible. Um, yeah. You done with Metal Command? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I like I said earlier, when I first got this album, this was my favorite track. Because I remember those lyrics like, fist in the air, thrashing everywhere, banging to the sound, face melting down, time to fight for metal tonight, bangers take your stand and obey, metal command. When I heard that shit, when I first got this album, I was like, this is my band right here, man. Yes, they speak my language. Because as I said, man, when this album was released, all my metal heroes were getting fruity. You know, his bands like Exodus that let us know that metal will not be watered down. Thrash saved the integrity of metal in the 80s. With relentless metal and no preservatives, this album may not have had the same impact back then to the uh, on the grander scale of the big four, what the big four were doing. But, you know, us metalheads that refused to buckle what MTV and mainstream was feeding us we dug down deep to find bands like this in 85. I have a lot of friends back then uh, that were just like me, always at that open books records. And the payoff was so fucking worth it, you know? Out with the old, in with the new. Changing of the guard, no pun intended. Because they had a song, didn't they have a song called No Change of the Guard? I think they did. Uh, and the payoff was fucking worth it, you know? Um, you know, this was a war cry to those who stayed true to the metal movement. And all of us did not give a fuck what anybody thought of our dedication to the lifestyle that I live to this day. You know, this song has that lyrically, metal for life. And that's what this song is about. It's about the lifestyle. You know, something, you know, you, you may see it as goofy lyrics. I see it as a war cry. I see it as what we were feeling, our you know, you know, on top of all the fucking problems of being a teenager, you know, we had we also had the problem of, you know, the mainstream like trying to crush this and not let it be heard. You know, you know, no, no. Listen to fucking Bon Jovi. Uh, she's a little runaway instead of this. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that now that the smoke is cleared from the gaties, that all this shit is being heralded by a lot of young people. There's so many young people out there with bonded by blood shirts that are worshiping shit like this. And man, when I saw violence, man, there was more young people than older people. It was mostly young people, you know, and, and it just shows you the impact that thrash had back then. It didn't go away. It stayed underground, but then it reared its ugly head in today's age where kids today, the thrasher kids that I know very well, because you know, there's a lot of thrasher kids that follow my band as well. They are looking for shit like this, you know? And when they find something like Bonded by Blood, you know, they're like, God damn, this is awesome. But I'm sure none of them can really understand the impact of Metal Command uh, because, I don't know, I think today, uh, you know, not in the U.S. necessarily, but, you know, all around the world, metal is way more respected than, than it was back then. And uh, this song fucking rules. Okay, I'll go to the epic next track, Piranha. You know, a song about eating, eating alive by a pack of these 
vicious tiny fish that came from the gates of hell you know eating your flesh to the bone and tearing your face with this music that matches it man this is chugging thrash music that sets them apart from all the other thrash bands at that time they took what other bands did and made it more cutthroat and this song is just that it's a cutthroat song i absolutely love this song and if i remember hopefully i remember at the end of this uh episode i'm gonna put our cover of piranha from lord tracy uh at the end of this thrasher i covered a song called piranha from lord tracy that the middle section was kind of lame so i we added the riff to this song in the middle section and gary holt heard it i i, I wish i still had the screenshot um gary somebody played it for gary holt and gary holt wrote this is hilarious and awesome at the same time i don't think gary holt knew the lord tracy version he thought he probably thought that we invented and the lord tracy version the lyric says swimming in the deep blue seas after you is after me there were two separate occasions when we played this song live where somebody came up to me after a song going hey uh you know that uh piranha fresh are freshwater fish right they can't be singing swimming in the deep blue sea they're not saltwater fish and i'm like uh it's a cover i didn't write those lyrics i am well aware of what piranhas swim in you know but you know lord tracy was doing like a goofy thing but anyway i love piranha this is probably my second favorite track on the album what do you think well remind me uh when we're done with this because i want to put up the audio of you doing this song with kick tracy uh the cock rock man that was awesome yeah uh yeah, well, you know, the, the album to this point was like really thrash, you know, really kick ass, and then they get a little commercial with this one. Uh, I'm kidding! Fuck yeah, god damn, do I love this song. And that fucking intro to this is amazing. Oh, oh man, but then, then when the lyrics kicked in, I started laughing my ass off and had to rewind it. Because I swear I thought he said. Sloppy Joes. I'm like, did he just say Sloppy Joes? What the fuck is this song about? And the lyrics are slicing jaws. But I swear to God, I thought he said Sloppy Joes. And I was like, I love Sloppy Joes. That reminds me, I'm hungry. Holy fuck, is this a kick-ass song. And, uh, you, you know, the, the lyrics to me, of course, you know, they make me laugh and smile. Because I think of the, the, the 1978 movie Piranha. Love it. Which I yeah I fucking love. My very first movie I saw at the drive-in was uh, it was uh, Piranha and Meatballs. Remember the, remember the Piranha poster? Oh it yeah, a rip off of Jaws. Oh yeah, he yeah. Got piranha head. The the, the the chick on the life raft and here, yeah, come, yeah. here comes the Piranha, which did, a Piranha is actually very did, small. Did you see the remake? Loved it. I love how it began with Richard Dreyfus. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's Show there's... me the way to go home. Go Was home. he singing that one? I know you yeah. sang one of those songs that Quinn sang. Yeah, and, and he's got he's got his beer, you know, yeah. sitting in the water. Oh yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Thought it was great. I I even loved the sequel, Piranha Double. The flying one, <laughs> the flying yeah. piranhas. Oh no 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 no, that's Piranha Two: The Spawning. I'm talking about the sequel to the remake. Oh no, I didn't see that one. Oh, it, 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 it's not as good as 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 the first remake. But it's still, I mean, like, you know, if you like, like, trauma-type movies, it's fucking awesome. You know, it's Oh, a bunch have of... you seen Return of Nukem High 2? 
No, not yet. I Dude, want it's I want way to. better than the first one. And yeah? I got to bring this up. The very beginning of the movie, it's my voice. Oh, yeah. I go, I go, uh, uh, what's going on? At Newcomb High. You hear me for a little bit, then all of a sudden it gets cut off. I get cut off by Stan Lee. How epic is that? But, uh, but, and, and Lemmy, you know, is in it. He was in, in part yeah. one. He's in this one. Right. Well, so, uh, it's better than the first one. Way better. Well, Eddie and the Boozers did the soundtrack to Police Academy 9, uh, but it hasn't been released yet. No, it, it went straight to beta. Yeah, straight to beta. Still, nobody's <laughs> seen it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, what are we on? Oh, Piranha. Yeah, Piranha fucking kicks ass, man. The total fucking metal classic. Uh, God damn it. Just, just that intro, though. Like, before I even think... Anything to start when I just hear that fucking music, I'm, you know you're in for a fucking great song. And uh, this is one of those, I, w- I would say, besides Bonded on Blood, Bonded, Bonded by Blood, this is probably the most known song from this album. Probably, uh, yeah. And, uh, and with good reason. You know, it's one of those, like, you know, I was anticipating it when it was going to start. Like, oh, yeah, everybody talks about Piranha. You know, and then when it kicked in, I was like, okay, this is why. Well, you, you know, something we didn't mention, too. Uh, this was a big deal, too, because of the Ultimate Rece- uh, Revenge uh, videotape. Right. Uh, that was very big back then. With, you know? with, with Venom and, uh, and uh, Slayer. Yeah, unfortunately, they didn't show no Venom, except for music videos. But they did show live performances of Exodus and, and Anthrax. And they start... With a piranha and, and no anthrax wasn't on that, were they? No, I meant Slayer. Did did I say anthrax? Yeah, you said anthrax. No, it's only and actually my friend Carlos was at that show, uh, which used to be Studio Fifty Four. I, yeah. I don't know what it's called back then. Uh, uh, but uh, Palladium, maybe was it the Palladium? I don't it might know. Have been the Palladium. No, I don't think it was the Palladium. No, it wasn't the Palladium because Kiss played the Palladium in nineteen eighty, and as far as I know, Studio Fifty Four was still around nineteen eighty, right? think so but But anyway palladium was pretty big though it's kind of like a big hall yeah well you know who was there was ruben de la rosa yes he was that's right i love that guy he's wearing a red hat (laughs) you know um but you know um you know it's it's a very epic thing uh piranha in that video because of uh paul bailiff like this is a song about a trout this ain't about a tuna fish it's a piranha! I love that shit. Alright, well now we go on the next song, which is No Love. And, uh... Man, I, I, I hear the intro to this, and I was like... The fuck? Is, is this Love Song by Tesla? You know? Is, is this fucking Richie Blackmore playing the opening of a Renaissance Fair in Secaucus, New Jersey? What the fuck is this? Uh, I, this is the first part of the album where I'm like, eh? But then the song kicks in, and, uh, I gotta say, this one was a grower on me. You know, my initial listens to this, uh, the, the album started to lose me here. Because, you know, the first, you know, six songs were so, like, you know, just balls to the wall. Fucking amazing metal. And, uh... It would always lose me at this point. 
But on repeated listenings, this one has grown on me. And uh, I, I dig this song. It's still not my favorite on the album. By any means, it's probably uh, in the bottom two for this album. But this is an album where I love every track. I already said that. Uh, but I would have to say this falls in my bottom two. But it's not my least favorite. Because uh, it's definitely on repeated listenings. It's grown on me. And who knows, you know. Uh, this is still something that's new to me. So this could change. This could end up being my favorite. But as of right now... It's in the bottom two, but still a, a great song. What do you think? Well, you know, we, we really don't agree much when it comes to shit like this. So let me give you a little lesson on the Dr. Fuckalicious opinion on this little acoustic intro to this song. Now it's time for you to learn a lesson in violence. Okay, to, thi- to this day, what, ta- what, what, what do I live with this now? 34 years now? Going on 35? To this day, that little acoustic intro still bothers the fuck out of me. <laughs> the one thing I don't like about this album, I hinted about it before we started. I said, I thought that's what you were talking about. I, there's one thing I don't like because after Piranha, I wanted to cut and back to a fast fucking thrash assault because I've been so used to it listening to this album so far. You know, and I don't think it fits well on here. I understand what they're doing. You know, they want to throw a little shade on the album, not to be it so brutal 24-7. But no, it's supposed to be brutal 24-7. So if there was a way I could fucking fast forward or cut this little piece off, I would love this song. I mean, I do love this song, you know, because I think this song's awesome. You know, once that stupid intro is done, Okay, I get it. You guys are good at, you know, we already know you're good at guitar, what you've been doing. Oh, look at us on acoustic. We could do it as well. I know what they're doing. They're doing, you know, I, and I also think it's kind of a little comedy effect too, you know, right. you know, to put that in there. But I just, I, there's no time for comedy here. You know, I, I, I don't see this as, you know, being like a comedy song. This ain't Anthrax. You know, I know later on they got into the kind of like the Anthrax thing. You know, Toxic Waltz is kind of a comedy too. Yeah, you know? I said that earlier, I, and that that shaped my opinion of the band. I thought they were like a a funny band with a, with a guy who couldn't sing. Exactly. So I'm kind of like, look, I don't want. I, I still I don't like this. I I, I I never liked it. I still don't. Uh, but um, but once the intro is done, you know, with that with a song that about you know about killing someone in a satanic ritual. You know, and I love that. The doctor says, my lover, it makes me strong. Take what I want, when I want. At night, I do no wrong. I love that, dude. The lyrics to all these songs are pretty goddamn satanic, you know. Even when they sing about a fish, they're coming from hell. You know, I love this song. I really do. I I just hate the intro. It's hard for me to, like, you know, rate, okay, this one's at the bottom, too. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe I... I agree with you. This probably is at the bottom too. Well, I, I would I would think too. There, there's probably a little bit of uh, uh, a prejudice there because that might have been why it took so long for me to get into it. Because exactly what you said, coming out of Piranha, this is the last thing you want to hear. So every time that would kick in, I would be like, uh, taken down a notch. Yeah, yeah there is a chance you're never going to get used to it because, dude, it's been 35 years for me. And I still don't like this, you know? Right. 
You know, it's understandable why it's there, but it right. just doesn't work. Right, but but what I'm saying though is is on repeated listenings, I've grown to to like. You know, once it kicks in, I like it a lot more than I initially did. But it's just one of those things. It is a it, it's a momentum killer. But but you do, do you did you, did the acoustic part grow on you? No, no, not yeah, at all. Yeah, that's what I, I meant. I don't think yeah. that's ever going to grow on you. Yeah, yeah, no, but but you know, once it kicked in, grew on me. But, uh, you know, on initial listenings, it's just like, uh, no, no, I don't want this there. You know, this, it, and, and what they, what they play is good, but it's not like, you know, like battery good or fight fire with fire good. You know, it's just like, eh, don't, don't belong here. This, this, this album's too brutal for oh, this shit. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Fight fire with fire. That's great. Right. And Same battery. battery. Great. Yeah, yeah. They're great. And also, you think about it. Here, I'll agree with you, Ian. Um, that that acoustic shit should be like in something that sounds better production-wise. You know, you're yeah. gonna throw this acoustic shit during this type of production. It's right. terrible. You know, it's just it's just not good. Right. But but anyway, I'll take the next one. Delirious from Evil. <clears throat> they change it up a bit on, on this one. You know, not lyrically, still praising Satan, but <clears throat> a little more mid-paced and. I think this song is where Paul sounds his sickest because here it becomes, it seems a little more crystallized, you know, the, 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 the manic vocals, you know, and it does speed up in parts, but there are many, many changes on this track that, that work like how Merciful Fate does, you know, and it's, they have such a great back and forth with the, the leads of Gary and Rick. And to me, I think this is the hidden gem on the album because this is the one that not not a lot of people talk about when they talk about bonnet by blood this one is kind of like i don't know people look past this one i i, I think it's it, it's one of the highlights to me it's it's different and i like that uh in this song you know and unlike the difference in the beginning of no love here it, it worked for me a lot and i love it mo- mostly because of uh you can uh, paul sounds more sicker on this one than all the other tracks not that he doesn't sound sicker, but I think because of the, the sound of the guitars and drums and the song structure, it enhances his voice a little more where you can, it, it, it crystallizes it more than it does on the, all the other tracks. I love Deliverers from Evil. It's awesome. Uh, what do you think? Uh, this is one of two tracks with lyrics co-written by the producer and their manager, uh, Mark Whitaker. Oh, Paul uh, Bailiff not had nothing to do with this one? No. No, wow. this, yeah, yeah, no, this, this one, uh, lyrics, uh, were co-written with Gary Holt and, and producer Mark Whitaker and the music, uh, was Holt, it was the H team wrote the music for it. Uh, mm-hmm. the H team wrote the music for this one and a lesson in violence. Everything else music was all Gary Holt. Um, and it's what you consider the epic track just by the length alone you know this song's over seven minutes um i like this song but to tell you the truth uh there's a couple of songs on this album that i would rather seen stretched out this long uh probably my two favorites exodus and 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 then there were none i would rather see seven minutes long than this one i like it um but I feel like it, it could have been trimmed. It could have been trimmed. Uh, but it is a good song. It, it, you know, 
I just, I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the, 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 the length is justified because to, to me, there's other songs that are more epic than this one actually is. But it's a, it's a good song. I mean, I mean, not not too much to bitch about. There's no intro that I, I feel is unnecessary. It's a good song, just longer than it needs to be. But then we'll take the last track, Strike of the Beast. Now, this is another one uh, that I've learned over the years that it, that is held in very high esteem. Uh, you know, like the title track and Piranha, you know, and shit like that. But I would say if I had to pick a least favorite track, uh, it was this. And I, you know, I, I had a funny feeling like, like, you know, I repeated listens. I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be Ralph's favorite track. Strike of the beat. I, I just got this feeling because it is heavier than shit. I mean, it's a great heavy track, but to me, it, it's the least musical of all the songs. I mean, it, it's heavy, but it's kind of, I, I don't know. There, there's something missing from this. That, that I think all the other songs have and 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 that that's kind of a hook and and that that little something that makes you want to sing along this one is just to me is like heavy for heaviness sake but I don't I don't know it just doesn't grab me like all the other ones do but I don't hate it I don't I don't think it's a bad song it just to me there is something missing but you know I I know it's probably just me because so many other people oh strike of the beast strike of the beast uh, you know, the lyrics are, you know, lyrics are, you know, they're, they're, it's cheesy metal cool, but, uh, I, I don't know this, uh, it, it makes me sad that they didn't include uh, a song that was supposed to be on this album called Impaler. I love which, that song. Which was going to be on the album. They, didn't they did Hammock have something to do with that one? No. Yeah. 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 Hammock yeah. co-wrote it and he, he used the riff for, uh, Oh God damn it! What's it, the song? Is it trapped under ice, maybe. Yeah, tra- trapped under ice. Yeah. So, so by the time they're getting ready to record this, uh, you know, Red Lightning came out, and he used that riff on Trapped Under Ice. So they left it off the album, probably because you know they they didn't want to like, you know, they didn't want it to come out in the metal community like, oh, we ripped off Metallica when actually it was something he wrote when while he was a member of Exodus. Uh, and I love the version that's on. Uh, Another lesson of uh, Temple Dam. Did they do it live though? No, they did it. No, I'm thinking. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have a studio version on yeah. Temple of the Dam, which I, I think is awesome. Great song. Right. But uh, no, no, Strike of the Beast. It, it's not a bad song, but if I had to pick a least favorite, it would definitely be this one. What do you think, Ralph? Well, you're correct because I think they saved the best for last. This is my favorite track off the album. Wow. An album, an album with no filler. You know, they took all the brutal elements this band is capable of and thrusted it all in this one song. In my opinion, Exodus has never topped this track or album. Wow. Hands down the greatest Exodus song. I remember hearing this album for the first time, and I must have had my jaw drop during this vicious tune. Because I remember vividly when this track was done, I got up, I grabbed the needle, and put, put it at the beginning of the song again. And then when that was done, I put on the whole album again. I remember that day. I actually played this album twice, but I played Strike of the Beast three times that day. I was just so floored by the intensity of this album, of this song, you know. And uh, 
And it's a it's a song that pretty much is uh, faithful to the set list. Thank God. Um, and uh, yeah, I absolutely, definitely my favorite Exodus song overall is "Strike of the Beast." I, there's nothing. I don't think it's thrash for the thrash. You know, just to be thrash. I think it's a really well constructed fucking masterpiece off a, a, a thrasher piece album. It's the best song on this incredible album that doesn't have one bad song. So there you go. Awesome. Well, uh, this was released April 25th of 1985. It was originally recorded in July of 1984, produced by Matt Whitaker, released on the Torrid uh, slash combat label. But when the, the initial was just on the tour, uh, very small label, no video, didn't get a lot of promotion. Uh, there was various reasons for the delay of this. Uh, had to do with artwork and all kinds of shit. Uh, as Ralph mentioned earlier, it was initially going to be called A Lesson in Violence, but they couldn't come up with a good album cover for that title. And that's when it was switched, and then there was problems with the you know, with the artwork for that and all this other bullshit. And it's, it's a shame because as much as it's regarded now, it should still be a higher regarded album. I, I think it's absolutely incredible. And, uh, I love it. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier in, uh, the eighties, it sold like 72 copies and two of those were to Ralph, one on album, one on CD. Yeah. Um, uh, but nowadays, you know, rightfully so, it's considered, you know, a very legendary thrash album. And like I said, this band was around for a long time, so it's hard to say who was an influence on who and what. But I mean, you ask any of the big four about Exodus, and, you know, you're not, everybody's going to just praise them. Uh, just an incredible, incredible album. And like I said, I've never, ever in the history of this show, listened to it out more before the review than I did this one. And I'm very grateful for that, because I, I mean, this is this is a masterpiece that will never leave, you know, you know, you know, whatever albums I have in my phone or whatever, I want to get it on vinyl. I mean, this 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 is really a new game changer for me. And, you know, and, and proof, you know, I'm going to be 46, you know, in 2020, uh, but I have another new, like, almost favorite album, you know? So ne- never stop, you know, trying to learn new shit, you know? Always give shit, a, you know, a chance, because, man, I mean, it really is just one of those, like, wow, how come I wasn't listening to this for fucking 30, 40 fucking years, however long it's been out? Uh, but you know what? I know it now, and I love it now, and this is something I will enjoy for the rest of my fucking life and uh you know for that in this show i'm eternally grateful uh love this fucking shit right on all right you got a pick of the week i do i have two picks of the week all right all right my first pick of the week is something uh that i said i was going to bring up uh earlier that's considered very controversial and that is the re-recording of this entitled Let There Be Blood. And uh, this was universally hated when it came out. 
like how can you do this you know like why um but i gotta tell you i love it i love it and probably out of you know the the shit ton of times i listened to this album i kept going back and forth between let there be blood and this because i believe like like here in let there be blood musically i was like this is how i wanted to hear this album guitar wise drum wise like on let there be blood you can actually hear bass too by the great jack gibson uh who we got to interview at rock and pod and was, was so fucking awesome go back and check that out our interview we did with him that was a cool guy and and you you could tell like the interview he did with us like we were the first you know podcast he talked to that new exodus you know <laughs> you know and even though i didn't know this album like i do now you know i was familiar enough with their career you know and you know, you can just see his eyes light up like, oh, these guys get thrash, you know. They don't just know Kiss, <laughs> you know. But uh, I thought it was really good. But I will admit that probably I'm more accepting to it because I didn't grow up with this the way Ralph did. Like, you know, a lot of times I hate when a band re-records and I'm like, the, the Twisted Sister one, I could not stand because... You know, stay hungry is in my DNA. You know, and and to hear anything different, I'm just like, no, 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 no. But being new to this album and hearing two different versions and not being locked into like all my loyalties to this one singer, uh, I don't mind Rob Duke's voice. And uh, I thought it sounded good. Now, which one do I prefer? Of course, the original. There's something to the original, but I think the re-recording. Is, is something I would recommend to somebody who's new to Exodus. Uh, I would definitely recommend both versions, but I'm just saying, like, it, you know, if you listen to a couple tracks on the original and you're like, eh, you know, don't don't give up on the album yet. Check out, check out the other version. See if you like that, because to me, the songs are there no matter what. Uh, and I think both, both albums, both versions have their charm uh, and a plus and minus. So I think that would be a good one for somebody who, who's new to Exodus. Or maybe if you're an old school Exodus fan and you heard about it, but you're like, oh, there's, there's no way. Give it a chance. Hey, no, don't, 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 don't listen. Okay. To okay. If you, love, if you love Bonnet by Blood, do, do not go near it. Trust me. Okay. Or go near it and then slap me in for telling you to. But, you, right. know, buy, you know, give me money for warning you. Just, just my opinion. Just my opinion. All right, and my second pick of the week is uh, the first Exodus album I ever heard in its entirety and uh, really made me kind of step up and take notice, and that is the reunion album with uh, Zetro when he came back. I'm trying to remember the year. I think it was 2000. Yeah, 2004. Tempo of the Dam. Amazing, amazing. And, and to my ears, Finally, Exodus has a great producer uh, who can really bring everything, you know, the, the way it should sound. And it's the last album with the H-Team, too, because Rick um, Holt would be kicked out of the band after. Well, I've heard he's kicked out. I heard he left. Heard he had a really bad meth problem, and they wrote a song about it on the next album. But anyway, Temple of the Dam, produced by Andy Sneap. Uh 
amazing fucking thrash albums. Uh, Scar Spangled Banner, Where's My Shepherd, Blacklist, Shroud of Urine, the title track, and Paler, Sealed with a Fist. I mean, there's so many great songs on this album. Uh, wow, what what a comeback! An amazing album. And of course, you know, you got the H Team, Tom Huntington, Zetro. And uh, the first studio, I'm with the great Jack Gibson on bass. And you can actually hear bass on this album. And I, I mean, you know, no disrespect to, to Rob, uh, what is it, Calnip? I might be pronouncing the name wrong. Uh, but Bobby Doll. Yeah, Bobby Doll. But I didn't hear a lot of bass. But in a lot of thrash bands, you really don't hear the bass. Uh, but on this, you do. And uh, I love Jack Gibson's bass playing. He's been in the band, you know, since fucking 96, I believe. Great guy, great bass player. Uh, but Temple of the Dam, that is my second pick of the week. And at least Ralph will back me up on that one, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely back you up on that one. And just to clarify how wrong Ian is about the Bonded by Blood thing, he even admitted himself about the Twisted Sister. See, the why, why, why uh, Ian hates... Still hungry, like I hate still hungry, because yeah. both both Ian and I were very well versed on stay hungry. Ian don't know shit about Bonnet by Blood when he had right. that. Well, well, no, I, I admitted that. I admitted that. That's, that's why. why said... That's my point. That's why I'm telling anybody out there that loves and worships Bonnet by Blood, and you haven't heard that blasphemous bullshit. It's the it's the equivalent of still hungry to stay hungry. Well, well, well let, let me ask you, what is it though that that you hate about it? Is it is it the vocals or the music or both? The music, music more than the vocals. The really? vocals, the vocals, I I dislike as well because it has to be those vocals. The, without without uh, Paul Bailoff, it's not bonded by blood. No matter how you slice it, Sousa yeah. can't do it. Nobody can do it. But also the production, it's not doesn't have the same bite. It, it's just too. I don't know. You can't. You well, know, you, would you would you agree with me on this though? Would you agree with me that Rob Dukes is actually closer to his vocal style than than Yes, yes. but it's okay. still it's still not close right. enough to and, me. And, 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 and I I under I under, I totally understand because of your history with it. I can see why you don't like it. I, well, I can see how you wouldn't like it if you knew Bonnet by Blood like I did. Like you know, Stay Hungry. Right, right. No, and that's what I'm saying. I get it, but I'm saying because I don't have the history. Can you I was, imagine I was doing able a to show? Enjoy it. Can you imagine doing a show with somebody, and then you you review still stay hungry, and then at the end your co-host says, "By the way, my pick of the week is still hungry." That's the that's the the, the fucking that's the reaction I get. Like, well, you, no, but, but what I'm saying is is, is it could it, in my opinion, it could be a gateway. To, to somebody that may, maybe they're not like a big thrash metal fan. Oh, or, no, or yeah, whatever. for them, yeah, go right ahead. You're an idiot. Right, right, no. No, but what, I, what I'm saying, though, is it might be like, it might help you get into this band. I'm not saying it's better, but I'm I, saying... I, I'm only speaking about the people that are well-versed with the original. Right, the ones, right. The ones that haven't heard it, yeah, maybe you'll like it like Ian. I don't know. Maybe you are dumb. <laughs> I love you, Ian. You fucking numbskull. All right, oh. my pick of the week. Goddamn, I don't think this has ever happened on, on the history of our uh, podcasting. We're all picking Exodus. Nice. I'm picking one that I didn't like. 
and I went and revisited it like a, I don't know maybe two months ago because Steve Souza has a show on YouTube and uh, yeah, he, get, he he ripped you off yeah, he's a vault or something. Well, he's yeah. getting back at me for ripping the, him off. Yeah, I think it's called the Vieira Vault. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> Mine's called the Souza Vault. But anyway, um, he had an episode on Impact is Imminent. So I listened to it, and he bitched about it, actually. He's not really happy about his vocals on it. But, you know, the way he was praising it with the riffage and this and that, and I was like, you see, what you said about uh, Strike of the Beast, that's how I felt about Impact and Imminent. You're just making an album just to be thrashed for the sake of being thrashed. I was very turned off by it, but I bought it nonetheless. I still own it, signed by everybody. Um, and um, so I went back and revisited it. And let me tell you, man, there, the riffs on that album are some of their best, man. I don't uh, think that, you know, uh, other than Bonnet by Blood, I don't think there's there's better songs on Temple of the Dam and Fabulous Disaster, but I don't think the riffage is as brutal as I, it is I, on Impact is Imminent. I got to go back and check it out because I, I knew the two singles, like Objection Overruled and... Uh, yeah. And, and I'm, that, try, I'm trying to remember the other Luna, single Luna off. Tick, Luna yeah, Tick Lunatic Parade. Parade, yeah. Which was a ripoff of uh, Toxic Waltz. But anyway, right. um, the song that really got me on that one is Only Death Decides. Oof, that song is fucking awesome. That's like my favorite track on there. I listened to it several times since uh, I rediscovered it. I'm not saying it's perfect. You know, I'm not a fan of Lunatic Parade. And there's, uh, there's, there's one or two other ones that I'm like, eh. But I love uh, Impact is Imminent. I love uh, that second track, whatever it was called. That was good. Um, it's a ride, great album. Ride the wind. Right, yes, ride the wind, uh, Bobby Doll. Um, uh, objection over. I mean, um, and objection overruled. Like the record company picked that as a single, and they're kind of they were kind of like, oh yeah, it's a good song, but come on, we would have picked something else than that one. You know, they kind of looked at it as a, as a filler. You know, uh, you, you know the song I want to hear, and it, while I was doing some research on Exodus. Uh, but I don't think they've ever released a commercial version of it. Is uh, "Crime of the Century"? Do you do you have a version of that? Can you repeat that again? I don't know what, what, what you just say. "Crime of the Century," uh, because when they got back with uh, Bailoff, uh, uh, a, another Lesson Bonds, a live album they did, was released by Century Media. The, the metal label. Yeah, I own it. And they had so many problems with that label, and they were so pissed at them. Uh, they put out, they made this song called "Crime of the Century" that was all about fuck Century Media, and oh. it was, and it was supposed to be on Tempo of the Damned, but Tempo of the Damned was released on uh, what is it? Nuclear Blast, and Nuclear Blast is kind of like a, a subsidiary or owned by the same record company as uh, as Century Media so they ended up taking that off and that's why they put Impaler on there you know and they went back and finally said okay fuck it we're going to do our version you know of Impaler uh, but uh, that that's something if anybody has uh, a copy of that let me know but I was looking like I have a bunch of rarity I have, 
I have so many. I have like all their downwhelms. I have like a bunch of Exodus shit. And I looked and I couldn't find anything where they released a version of Crime of the Century. But I would love to hear it. Oh, I never heard it. Never heard it. All right. So, uh, so you loyal listeners out there, if you can find a copy of that, let me know. Well, let me look on YouTube. YouTube have everything, man. Okay. If anybody has it, it's YouTube. There you Believe go. Believe me, every, uh, YouTube has like every fucking thing. You know, any rare thing you're looking for, YouTube has it. All you right. Know, unless, unless Prince released it, you know. Yeah. All right. See if we can find Exodus Crime of the Century. Yeah, it's here. It is. Uh, no. I, I, oh. I, you know what it is? I wrote Crime of the Century and already popped up. But it has uh, Purge the World. Maybe that's the song. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's a bonus track from. Uh, I, I thought it would come up like Shitty Sticks album. No, that's actually you're thinking of Super Tramp. Oh. And that is the best Super Tramp album, actually. Okay. Yes, somebody left us a comment. This song is actually Crime of the Century re-recorded with Rob Dukes with new lyrics, so it's pointless. Uh, they changed uh, the lyrics, too. But they, it's the music, the music to it is Purge World, which means I don't think it was ever recorded with the original lyrics because it'd be up on YouTube, you know? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it was supposed to be on the album, so I'd imagine they fucking... Uh, you know, they they recorded it. It just wasn't put out. But Purge the World, what what album was that on? Uh, it was a bonus track on Kill Shovel Machine, whatever. It's called. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yep, okay. Huh. Okay, interesting. All right, well, you learned something new. All right, well, now it's time to go to Fan of the Week. And uh, Fan of the Week, God damn it, I love this guy, Michael Lynch from Australia and god damn it I, I, I've said this before there's two places we we really need to take this show on the road and one is Canada and the other is Australia we I mean we have fans all over the fucking globe but man we really have some radical fans in Canada and Australia and god damn it I want to go you know hang out with Michael Lynch and we'll watch a dingo eat a baby yeah and, yeah. I, and and invite Adam Marshall over. Fuck yeah. And, uh, oh, God, you know, there, there's a couple others. You know, I'm, I'm drunk, so I'm having a brain fart. We, we've got we've got a lot of listeners in Australia who love this show. And uh, that, that that is so cool that, you know, you know, you, you and me are very much, uh, you know, American guys. You know, but that, that people all over the world get what we do, get our passion for music and get our show just shows you you know fuck love the international language is fucking metal you know and uh man thank you michael he, he actually sent me he said he said you could pick it was between this and iced earth something wicked this way oh i love comes. that album and uh the only reason i picked this is because we haven't done an exodus episode yet Oh. We, we we did Ice Earth uh, was it Stormbringer that we yeah. did? Night great. Of Storm Rider. Yeah, Night of Storm Rider. Uh, another great album that uh, I never would have known if it wasn't for this. I cool. really I really enjoyed that album. I like uh, I, I like something wicked even more. That maybe yeah. that and Burnt Offerings are my two favorite Ice Earth albums. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I, just, I just did some like, you know, goddamn, we got to do an Exodus episode. Yeah, that's uh, fine. I like this one more than the Ice Earth album. Right. But, uh, I mean, not only we, we haven't done an Exodus, but it's a landmark album in metal and well-respected, so it deserves uh, our critique. And uh, more than happy to do this for Michael and, and, and brother, you know, thank you so much. You know, for listening, for donating to Rock and Pod, and uh, man, definitely glad to have you aboard. And thank you so much, man. You are our fan of the week. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. You you uh, picked a great fucking album. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Great episode to do, man. Lots of fun. Hell yeah. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, chances are you enjoy metal. Check out what we just talked about in all different forms, and check out all kinds of different types of metal. But next week, once again, we return to the fan-picked episodes. We're going to start nailing some episodes out uh, here. We're getting ready to knock out a lot. And uh, we also got a movie episode... uh, coming up soon. We got all kinds of shit. No, we're doing Star Wars right now, you poser. No, I'm going to bed. You fuck. Listen to Ian. He's such a poser. Yeah. Come on. It'll take us 20 minutes. No, I'm going... Dude, I didn't... I I wanted to do it, but yeah. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to record the other night, and you couldn't either, so... Oh, yeah, because I had to go see Morbid Angel. Excuse me. Yeah, fucking poser fucking death metal. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even with fucking David Vincent. That is true. You blew me off for Steven Tucker. Wu-Tang, motherfucker. And, and Incantation. What, Wu-Tang Clan opened up? What? I never got to see Wu-Tang. Now, I know I, you don't know them because you're not metal. You know Wu-Tang Clan, though. Yeah, I know Wu-Tang Clan. Shame on a nigga that tries to run game on a nigga. Look, look, even knows the lyrics. Spend your mind. Out. That hurt. Paul Bailiff spits on your grave. And he's the one dead. Go and for that, it. That is the conundrum. And that's the end of this episode. Thanks to Ian. He got to go to bed. You see, I'm wide awake. You know why? Because I'm metal. Because you don't have a fucking job, motherfucker. <laughs> yes, I do. I got a job. I, it's Christmas Eve tomorrow. I ain't working. Yeah, I, I want to record tomorrow. What are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging out with my familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Christmas Eve, and it's a Cuban tradition to have a family gathering. So, one time a year. Yeah, Excuse well, me. I love your parents, so go have fun. I love metal. <laughs> I, I, I love your mother even more than I love metal. Say your prayers, little ones. Go to sleep, my son. There's a line. There's a line in Wake Up Smell of Thrash. If there, if I had a line, I'd wake up, but I, I don't. Say, uh, what is it? Only posers sleep. <laughs> I say that in the fucking line. That's right. Us us metalheads stay up all the fucking time doing coke. You got to go to bed. Wah, wah. Good night. Yeah. Good night, Felicia. All right. Till next time. We're going to do a 20-minute episode on the new Star Wars. Yeah. Rock and roll. Schmack him a gob and, you know, hey, Ian, suck on my nuts. All right, he's out. Good night, everybody.